both were posted on YouTube and there were a number of violent incidents in the weeks and months leading up to Delaney's death. His grandmother's home where he lived was attacked. On another occasion, machetes were drawn and the police were involved. The court heard a meeting was held in a McDonald's restaurant involving members of both gangs and their parents and families in an attempt to calm the situation. The case continues. The Coronation Street actor Bill Roach is expected to make a statement this morning after prosecutors said he'd be charged with two counts of raping a 15-year-old girl in the 1960s. ITV says Mr Roach will not appear in the soap until the legal proceedings are concluded. A 41-year-old man has been jailed for three and a half years for his involvement in a series of thefts from hospitals, including the Lister in Stevenage. Lee Agnew has the details. The court heard how in June last year, Adrian Garrick from Coventry stole a staff member's wallet before calling and tricking him into disclosing his bank details. He then withdrew £3,800 from his account. It was found that Garrick had committed 30 similar offences across the country over a three-year period. The Financial Conduct Authority says more than a million people with interest-only mortgages will not have set aside enough money when they have to pay off the balance. They predict the average shortfall will be £71,000. Martin Wheatley from the FCA says the figure should be a wake-up call. The warning is, actually, you need to know that it it, it is what it says on the tin. It's an interest-only mortgage. It means when it comes to the end, you have to repay the capital. And people need to understand that. And if you haven't got any savings in place or a system in place to repay the capital, you need to start working on how you're going to do that now. In Sports Stadium MK, we'll find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. 13 grounds will be chosen from a shortlist of 19. The weather, dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. So one of the things we're looking at this morning, yeah, yeah, Catherine, is what annoys you most about the people you work with, OK? Right, yeah. uh, everybody in this building today has done or not done the same thing and it has annoyed me what we didn't roll out the red carpet or well no Catherine. <laughs> can you think of anything that you have done or not done this morning and, and the same with all of your in inverted commas colleagues uh, th- <laughs> uh, th- th- that would have that po- could possibly have upset me um no okay okay that, that is it you've all done it shameful Morning, this is Ian Lee, uh, Three Counties Radio. Sorry I wasn't here yesterday. I was throwing up in a lay-by for an hour and a half. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't sure whether you wanted to hear this or not. I thought, let's just say it. And you know that I had good reason for not being here. No no photos to prove it, but if you look at the side of my car... Ay, ay, ay. Thank you to Justin, as always, for filling in. And... A few comments on the Facebook page would imply that... Some of you would perhaps like Justin to fill in a little bit more. I'm disappointed there. Shall I read some of those comments? Paul Wood, Justin Dealey at breakfast, like it. Kathy Doran, Justin Dealey, far more professional, unbiased and less opinionated than Ian Lee. It's true. I apologise to both Cathy and Paul. I'm back. And boy, do I mean business this morning. Lots coming up on the show, including a fifth of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The Borough Council says they want to do something about it. Well, we'll be looking at what can be done. It's not illegal. It may be morally and ethically dubious, but it's certainly not illegal. 
08459 455 555. Criminals are conning hospital staff in Hertfordshire into handing over their bank details. I'll be meeting a woman who says they tried it on with her but failed. We'll hear her story in around 20 minutes. And what annoys you most about the people you work with? New research claims to have identified the ultimate nightmare colleague, Justin Dealey. Oh no, hang on. Sorry. New research claims to have identified the ultimate nightmare colleague. Justin Dealey's searching for them this morning. Uh, sorry, I read that completely wrong. That's very rude. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR or give me a phone call 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll tell you what's upset me about my work colleagues, although Kelly Betts, has, uh, has, who's works on this, this uh, show, has just uh, redeemed herself. She's just redeemed herself. Now, onto far more serious matters. One-fifth of the infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The statistics published by Luton Borough Council also shows the number of children who die in infancy in the town is 60% higher than the national average. Well, this evening, the council is holding a public meeting to discuss the issue. Joined now by Jerry Taylor, Director of Public Health at Luton Borough Council. Jerry, one-fifth of deaths linked to cousin marriage. It's a worrying statistic, isn't it? Um, if, uh, good morning. Um, if I could just say that um, the figure that you have there is for all, um, for all child deaths. The issues for infant mortality, which um, the council is looking at this evening, are around deaths for children that are born live and die in the first year of life. And the position that we have in Luton is that our figures are 5.2 deaths per thousand compared to the national average of 4.4 deaths per thousand and what we've seen recently is the figure for Luton is coming down so there is some some good news in terms of infant mortality. So how many how many children are dying either before they're born or after they're born because so, they're, they're, they're cousins having sex with each other? So um, the number of children dying each year uh, in infant mortality so being born live and dying in the first year of life is about um, 18. We know that some of these deaths are due to hereditary conditions and these are genetic conditions and the, there are about four of those each year in, 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 in the first year of life. Why is the rate higher in Luton? Well, Genetic conditions um, obviously can be passed on more easily if there is a close relationship between the, um, between the families because they may be more likely to have a, um, a genetic um, hereditary condition that, that between the family that, that can be passed on. And we have um, a higher number of... Um, close relative marriages in Luton than in some other parts of the country. Is there anything we can do to stop it? it it's, it's, uh, it's not fair, is it, if children are dying because of these uh, unions? Well, what, what we, the way that we're looking at it in Luton is we're looking at it as we would in any other health risk. So some of the other health risks for infant mortality are things like smoking in pregnancy, uh, maternal obesity and um, sudden infant deaths in infancy. So these are all things that we are, we've seen and that we're working on in terms of infant deaths. So what are you do, how are you working on this? What are you going um, to be doing to, to tackle the problem of cousins marrying and ha having children that are dying? So what we're looking at is 
what are the risks here and how we might tackle them. And we've looked at it, we've looked at other parts of the country where they have similar issues to see what they are doing. Right, and what are they doing? We're what are you going to be doing? As, we're treating it as as other as we would other health risks. Yes. What, what are you, Jerry? Sorry. Approach, what are you doing? What are you actually doing to stop this problem? So the sort of approach that we are taking is making sure that people have the right information upon which to make their decisions. So making sure that people know what the health risks are um, and can act upon them accordingly in making their decisions. We also as we would with any other health risk, on making sure that we have the right sort of services available for people. So there is a um, screening and genetic counselling service that people can access through their GP. And we're working with that service to make sure that they have some tailored information for the people of Luton to meet the particular health needs of Luton's population. How keen do you think that people within the Pakistani community will be to take advantage of the genetic screening of the counselling? Well, I think that, that people are already using the genetic screening and counselling service, but I think that by providing people with the right information about the risks, about by providing the, them with access to that service, because some people may not know that that service exists, and, and in fact, some of it is about making sure GPs have the right information about when and how and whom to refer to the service, that that will become more accessible and the, the take-up is likely to change. It doesn't sound like a lot, Jerry. to be honest. If well, children are I dying, just, just handing out leaflets and, and, and making people aware of what's going on at their GP, it doesn't really sound much. It's not only about handing out leaflets. What we've started to do is really work with communities in Luton. So to, um, to find out about the issues that relate to... Those, those particular decisions in life and make sure that we're targeting the work um, very much to, to meet people's needs. So it's working with communities over time. Cousins, to, cousins marrying cousins, I've always been brought up to believe, I know it's legal. It's wrong, isn't it? I, it I, no, I would not say that. It's not about making any... Um, but it's ethical ethically and morally it's wrong, isn't it? Particularly if it's dangerous towards any children. The, the, the responsibility of Luton Borough Council is to look at the health needs of the population and try and improve that health. So you think it's acceptable for cousins to and marry cousins and have children? That's what we're focusing on. We're you think that's acceptable? Health needs of but Jerry, do you, do you think that's acceptable for cousins to marry cousins and have children? I think that the issue for me is around people's health yeah. needs and trying to focus on those. It's okay. not about making judgments. No, but, but, do you, but do you personally think it's acceptable? I think that it's, um, it, it's legal in this country to do so. And what, what my, my, my role is, is to think okay. about the health. Jerry, nice, nice fence sitting. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Jerry Taylor, Director of Public Health at uh, Luton Borough Council. I, I, I'll say it now. It, it's wrong, isn't it? It's morally and ethically wrong. I know it's legal. Listen, I've got a hot cousin. Trust me. She's hot. But it's, no, it's not right, is it? I'm going to get in trouble again today, aren't I? Different community this time. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Hey, listen, I'm, this is a long shot. If you've married your cousin, I would love to speak to you this morning. I know it's a long shot. But if you have... 08459 455 555. Am I wrong on this? I just think it... It just sounds wrong to me.
Producer Laura. Producer Laura, put your headphones on. Put your headphones on. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. You have no idea what you've done. We're talking about bad work colleagues and bad behaviour at work. You have no idea what you've done to me today, have you? No. I feel I feel quite bad. I feel a bit guilty. You said all of my colleagues today have annoyed me. They've all done the same thing. I've yep. been nothing but lovely today to you. There's there's something that you, work experience Ali, Catherine Boyle, Dealey, none of you have done. Unless it was not making you a great cup of tea. I oh. can't think of anything. Kelly Betts made me an adequate cup of tea. No, well, just keep thinking. Just keep thinking. Scratching your head. You'll get there eventually. Unbelievable. So rude. So rude. Right, let's get the travel news now. James Wally. He's not rude at all. He's delightful. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Very kind of you, Ian. Let's start on the A1M. Northbound was uh, partially blocked. In fact, was blocked for uh, a wee while between 6 and 7. That's Welling Garden City up to Stevenage uh, because of an accident. A rolling roadblock was put in earlier. Uh, we've uh, seen on camera that's now been lifted. So A1M northbound fully open between Welling and Stevenage. Southbound M1 moving pretty well at the moment. No significant delays from what I can see on camera. Certainly busy, especially 9 down to 8 actually looking at the latest images. M25 is running well through the roadworks at the moment between 23 South Mims and 25 Enfield. No reported problems finally on trains across the three counties. I'm James Woolley, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, James. Right, well, it's 6.17. It's uh, Thursday, the 2nd of May. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest that 20% of infant deaths in Luton are due to genetic conditions linked to marriage between cousins. A jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of a teenager who was deliberately knocked off his bike. In sport, the defending world uh, snooker champion Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't be returning to the Crucible even if he wins a fifth title. The weather today in beds, hearts and bucks, dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees. Coming up, criminals are conning hospital staff in Hertfordshire into handing over their bank details. Well, I'll be meeting a woman who says they tried it on with her but failed. We'll hear her story before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. When you need local news. The headlines, dental nurse accused of poisoning in Bedfordshire. Residents lose legal battle against Buckinghamshire incinerator and controversy over new universal benefit. When you need local travel. It's around 10 minutes delays on the southbound side of the M1. When you need local weather. BBC Three Counties Radio is here. And temperatures are on the up. We should get to the mid-teens. Some places will get to the high teens. BBC Three Counties Radio and bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Just like I said Though it's breaking every rule I've ever made My racing heart is just the same Why make it strong to break it once again And I'd love to say I do Give everything to you But I can never now be true So I say Think I better do it right now Before I fall any deeper I think I better do it right now Feeling weaker and weaker Somebody better show me how 
any deeper I think I better live right now I'm here So please explain Why you're opening up a healing wound again I'm a little more careful Perhaps it shows But if I lose the highs At least I'll spare the lows And I would tremble in your arms What could be the harm To feel my spirit come So I say any deeper I think I better leave right now Feeling weaker and weaker Somebody better show me out Before I fall any deeper I think I better leave right now I wouldn't know how to say How good it feels Will Young there Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We're talking... Uh, uh, cousins marrying. It, 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 listen, I know, well, I know it's a long shot. If you married your cousin, could you give me a call and let me know? Surely, it's wrong, isn't it? I know it's legal, but every part of my body is screaming it's ethically and morally wrong. 08459 455 555 And also I will be telling you why everybody I work with uh, Well, I don't like them Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Now, hospital staff in Hertfordshire have been targeted by criminals Who've conned them into handing over their bank details Thieves have been stealing their wallets Then phoning their victims pretending to be from the banks well, this week, uh, a man has been jailed for withdrawing nearly £4,000 from the account of a worker at the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. I'm joined now by Susan, not her real name, who works at a hospital in the three counties. And you were victim of a similar scam, weren't you? I was, What yes. th- What happened? How did it work? Um, basically, the first I knew about it, I got a phone call um, through to the desk where I work. Um, someone posing as my bank, telling me that my account... Um, was trying to be used in the Oxfordshire area, and someone was trying to withdraw two thousand pound, and that was the first. That was the first I I knew about it. And did it all sound right? Did they sound? Did you did you kind of think, oh, this is my bank on the phone? Yeah, okay. No, I I didn't because I wasn't aware. The first alarm bells that rung were that I wasn't aware that work had or the bank had my work details. Right. Um, I thought they only had my home number and my. Um, mobile number so that was the first thing that rang alarm bells the second thing was I'd only just been to lunch about half an hour previous and had my purse with all my cards in it so um, no it did ring alarm bells what did they want you to do they said to be able to stop the transaction from going through um, they would need my um, pin number and the three digit code security code off the back right. of the card otherwise i would be liable for the transaction going through okay and did you give that to them no oh good good <laughs> I, I was i was say you look very sensible yes and so what did you say did you say come on jog on fellas this is a scam they, or- a, a, another thing that alarmed me was they said that where the area that the card was being used was at least an hour hour and a half's journey from where i actually work mm. Um, and I knew, having only just been to lunch just previously, that there's absolutely no way that they could have got from, 
you know my my work to mm. this area within you know within that that period so of time. So what did you so say to them when when you, your suspicions are aroused quite early on? What did you say to the? Uh, I'm assuming it was a bloke on the phone. Yes. What did you very, say to the gentleman? Very professional. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't have you know very professional person sounded like he he could be from the bank. You know did say all the all the right mm. right things really um and i just said if you can just hold the line i just need to go in the office and just check that you've got the right person i just need to go and check my person that whether i've got my cards yeah um and i did that obviously realized that that my my handbag was still there but my purse had gone missing out of my handbag um and oh, so your purse had gone missing yes it had right, at okay. that point yeah. so i then came back to the phone and I did actually say to the guy, I, I believe this to be a scam. Right. Um, and that I would ring my own bank and deal with my own bank. And he said, we are your bank. Um, I can give you a number if you would like to call me back just to confirm that we are who we say we are. So I went along with him, took the number, yeah. um, put the phone down and then actually rang uh, the the central line for my own bank. Right. I didn't ring the number he gave me. And you got um, through to your actual bank, and they said this is a scam. Absolutely, they said no one had tried to use my account. Obviously, because they didn't get any information from me, mm. so my account was left intact. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and at that point, they did say there was a lot of you know th- this is quite common, um, and and you know these people are doing these. But so someone had come into where you work and taken your purse out of your bag yes as in, part of in an in a private office how did they do that i i i don't know i mean there's always people coming yeah. and going and they're obviously you know they're obviously very very these people are very good at, at what they do they're professional criminals have you spoken to any of your colleagues has this happened to anyone that you work with no so you I, were you were like you were the unlucky well i believe in. i believe in the time i've i've been there um that you know this is the first and hopefully the last incident mm. that's that's happened did you go to did you speak to the police about this i did and what yes. did they say they um they're very good came came to work within a, a couple of hours of me notifying them took a statement and really have been been great they've they've followed it through every step of the way mm. they did believe at the time um that it wasn't a it wasn't anyone from work it wasn't a one-off incident they felt it was a wider picture right and it was happening at, at you know a lot of different public places with within the area so we've had similar uh, we had a similar story a couple of weeks ago about a lady who had a phone call from her bank um saying oh your your card's being used now we need your pin details and your bank and they they sent someone around in a car to collect all of her bank statements and she gave them to them uh, and my mother-in-law had a very similar thing a couple of weeks ago but th- this actually stealing the purse uh, yes. it seems to be the new twist in yes this. yes absolutely i mean obviously i mean i had all they luckily in hindsight when i hear other people's stories mm. all they actually gained from me i had 65 pound in cash in the purse um but i had all my other cards in yeah. there most people would carry their driving licenses in there so i mean it 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 does leave you out of pocket obviously mm. but Equally, when I read the other stories and I hear the other stories, you know, I do consider myself to be lucky. And I can see how, if someone was caught off guard, how, how it can happen. What would you, are, you, are you a little bit more vigilant at work now about where you leave your purse and, and things? I don't take my purse right. into really? work now. No, no, I literally carry on my person 
what I well, need. See, that's sad. It is really sad, isn't it? It is really sad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, well, listen, I bet we get loads of phone calls this morning from people who are saying they've had a similar thing. What would your advice be to anyone who gets a phone call like this, from the, purporting to be from their bank? Just don't give any details whatsoever. I mean, you read on the internet, you constantly hear in the press that any bank would not ask you for any of Mm. your security details or personal details if they've rung you and just say to the person on the phone, I'm going to hang up the phone now and um, I'll deal directly through my bank or through my branch and and just do that straight away. Susan, thank you very much for coming in Pleasure. and speaking no out about this. Well, I, I think, it, hopefully, this, listen, we, we did mention something similar a few weeks ago. If you've had this, my mother-in-law has had it since we last mentioned it, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. These scammers, they, they're getting very, they're getting clever. A couple of years ago, it was just the old internet, I'm Prince Wasubu, I've got yes. $20 million, give us your bank account. Yes. And we all got wise to that. They're getting cleverer and cleverer, yes. aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Very they naughty. 08455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Ian. Good morning. The A1M, we had the accident earlier this morning on the northbound side and they had the rolling road block in briefly, but it's all clear now and no delays left on that northbound carriageway from Welling Garden City through to Stevenage is looking much improved. If you're driving through Welling Garden City, though, the A1000 Bessemer Road does have some roadworks near to Digswell Park Road. They should have them finished later through today. In Amersham, London Road West, still some temporary traffic lights for works at Station Road, the A416, and the M25 roadworks at the minute not causing any delays. I'm looking at the cameras, and traffic seems to be going fine both ways between Junction 23 at the A1M and 25 at the A10. Meanwhile, public transport looks to be quite good as well, with no delays reported on the departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30 with the headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. New figures suggest 20% of infant deaths in Luton are due to genetic conditions linked to marriage between cousins. A jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of a teenager who was deliberately knocked off his bike. And the Coronation Street actor Bill Roach is expected to make a statement this morning after prosecutors said he'd be charged with two counts of raping a 15-year-old girl in the 1960s. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stadium MK will find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. 13 from 19 venues of the shortlist will be hosting games during the tournament and Milton Keynes' main rivals for a place are Coventry and Leicester. In football, Bayern Munich will play Borussia Dortmund in the first ever All-German Champions League final later this month after they beat Barcelona 3-0 at the Nou Camp in their semi-final second leg to record a 7-0 aggregate victory. And Chelsea will look to book a place in the Europa League final tonight. They uh, take a 2-1 lead into the second leg of their semi-final against Swiss side Basel at Stamford Bridge. And despite the advantage, the Chelsea interim manager Rafa Benitez isn't taking anything for granted. My concern is that uh, we will be thinking that we are in the final. Uh, It's not the case. We'll play against a very good team, a team that has uh, scored goals away. So everybody has to realise that it will be tough, will be difficult, and hopefully I will be wrong and we can do a great game and score a lot of goals, but... First of all, we have to to win. 
The defending world snooker champion Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't be returning to the Crucible even if he wins a fifth title. Speaking after his 13-4 quarter-final win over Stuart Bingham, O'Sullivan revealed he's not enjoying his return to the sport and that he only ended his exile from the sport to fund his children's private education. He says it's time for him to move on. I think it's about time I look for something else, but you never know, I might plan a few PTC events. And you never know with the way the game's changing all the time. Barry Hearn's always changing formats, seedings, this and that. So it might suit me to plan the odd little event. But as far as um, putting my life into it, it's, it's not going to work for me. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Picture. <laughs> There's a picture of a dog. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Lots to talk about this morning. Feisty. Feisty. Is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? It follows. Hey, guess what? Another shooting in Luton this week. The tw- Every week. Every week. The 12th gun-related crime in the town this year. Well, I'll be speaking to a man who was a UN peacekeeper in Bosnia and Central America for 12 years. And what annoys you most about the people you work with? New research claims to have identified the ultimate nightmare colleague. And trust me, it could be some of the people that I work with here. We're talking as well about um, cousins marrying. Uh, Cousins marrying cousins because a significant proportion of uh, infant deaths uh, in Luton can be linked to the fact that these children come from cousins marrying cousins. Well, Cathy has texted in, 81333, start your text 3CR. I married a Pakistani man whose brothers were severely mentally disabled because of this type of close relation marriage. Their lives are ruined. They messed themselves and one of them used to beat himself black and blue. Their mother has a terrible life. I say no to cousins marrying. People have to think of the children. Can I, uh, impartiality out the window. It's wrong, isn't it? I know it's legal, but it's, it's morally and ethically wrong for cousins to marry cousins, particularly if it puts the children at risk. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. There can't be any defence for it, can there? Lady, I'm your knight in shining armour. And I love you You have made me what I am And I am yours My love There's so many ways I want to say I love you Let me hold you in my arms Evermore You have gone And made me such a fool I'm so lost In your love And oh We belong For so many years I thought I'd never find you You have come into my life and 
made me whole Forever Let me wake to see you each and every morning Let me hear you whisper softly in my ear In my eyes I see no Like I love And yeah Oh yes I'll always want you near me I've waited for you For so long Let's hope he's not referring to his cousin, because that would be illegal, but morally wrong. 08459 455 555. Is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? It follows another shooting in Luton this week, the 12th gun-related crime in the town this year. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to people in Luton about their concerns over gun crime in the town. Well, it is it's frightening. It's frightening, especially when you've got grandchildren of teenage years and growing up, and you, it's just not nice, is it? Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's not acceptable. Nobody is allowed to, you know, take guns in the street, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter for people's life. I think gun crime is a concern wherever it is, and in Luton, perhaps, it's no better or worse than anywhere else. I'm more concerned with where they're getting the guns from. Clearly, if people are being hurt, then it's a, it's a big concern. But does it concern most of the people in the town? Probably not. Well, I'm joined now by Richard Blanchett, who lives near Milton Keynes. He was a UN peacekeeper in Bosnia and Central America for 12 years. Morning, Richard. How you doing? Yeah, fine, thank you. That lady there asked a question that, that I've been wondering. Where do people get the guns from? Anytime that there's a black market for something, it doesn't matter what, what it is, uh, profiteers will find a way. I mean, you, you think about it, guns are just pieces of metal. Uh, they can come in any, anything in a, in a shipping container. They come in the walls of the shipping containers. They come sometimes inside other things. Uh, they come inside engines. They come inside all in, all assorted things. Uh, but typically, mostly, they, they just come over in, in, the, in the boots of people's cars. Really? Yeah. And wh- whereabouts are they coming from? They co- they're coming from the States? They're coming from Europe? Uh, no, most of the ones you'll find over here are coming from mainland Europe. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you have to remember, for 50 years we had a Cold War going on. And uh, several governments profiteered off that Cold War. You, you, you had China, you had uh, the Eastern Bloc countries. I mean, they, they made, they, they cranked out guns in the Eastern Bloc 
like you wouldn't believe. And they shipped those all over the world. Uh, uh, sometimes they shipped them for free. You know, they, uh, they were shipping them to enemies of the U.S., and the U.S. was shipping the enemies of their of, of them uh, guns from the U.S. And, and they were some were coming from here. So sometimes you'll find uh, illegal guns on the streets, and they don't have serial numbers on them because they never needed them. I mean, you know, you only have a serial number on it if you need to trace it for some reason, say ownership or registration. And so a lot of black market guns don't have any identifiable marks. They don't. Where would, listen, if I, if I needed to go and score some drugs, mm-hmm. I would know a few streets I could go to, I would know a few people who would know a few people who would know a few people, and I could get, I could get pretty much anything I wanted. But I, I wouldn't have a clue where to go and buy a gun from. Same folks. Sorry? It's the same, it's the same sort the of... The same process. It's just, yeah, it's the same sort of, it's the same kind of people... You're looking at the uh, the same neighborhoods. You're looking at it, it's it's anything anything. Kind of, what, here's a good example. When I first came over here, right, I, I was uh, I came over here because I was I was offered a job over here, uh, and um, I, I came over and I, I had to wait for my visas and everything to come through. So uh, I, I came over and, and um, they, they said, "Oh, we, we go ahead and give the job to somebody who really needed it filled now." So I was, I was kind of stuck. So I ended up working in pubs in London. When I was working in a pub in London, I saw gun transactions going on in the pub. Really? Yeah, on multiple occasions. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon at all. And I'm thinking, well, this is just an East End pub. You know, this is just in one East End pub in London. This, this must be going on everywhere. And uh, I, some years later, we were um, we were living in Nottingham, and uh, somebody had stolen our identity. And the, the police said, well, whatever you do, don't go around to his house. We know he keeps arms. Because his, as well as dealing in, in fake identities, he also deals in arms. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's a lot more endemic than a lot of people like to think. But a lot of people think, well, you know, since they're illegal in this country, they bury their head in their sand, their head in the sand and figure that, oh, well, the problem is just going to go away. It's not. It, it isn't going to go away, is it? And I was going to say, I mean, we have pretty tight gun laws here anyway. Is there anything more we can do? Or is do we just have to accept it's part of of the underground culture now? There is a there is a different tact to it. Uh, there, there's there's a, a different way to approach it. Basically, guns follow money, and and money follows things that can make the 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 black market money. Uh, there is well, there is money to be made in black market guns, and as long as they, there's a prohibition on them, then the, then there will be a market for them. And that's just the way things are. I mean the the, the Black market for for firearms in places like Mexico was minuscule until 2002 when they passed a complete ban. And it, from 2002 onwards, now there's there's 475 percent the gun crime and ten times the amount of illegal firearms on the street. What kind of guns are they that are on the streets at the moment? Uh, anything, anything. I mean, there was a. This is the funny thing that, that I find a little bit disturbing. There was a gunfight not but a couple of months ago in Milton Keynes. Yeah. Between some Somali gangsters, and one of them was using uh, what was described, you know, to someone who, who's familiar with firearms as I am, uh, as a military-style MP5. Because it was fully automatic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, they were firing fully automatic rounds. The, the other was uh, firing something that from the description, appears to be an AK-47. Wow. So, I mean, we're talking about full-on paramilitary weapons. So there doesn't seem to be any, any restriction to what these people can get. Richard, I have to, I have to ask you, we've got a caller who wants to speak to you in a second, but I, I've got to ask you, being a UN peacekeeper in Bosnia and Central America, 
What was that like, man? Dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> You're lucky to be here. Uh, the funny thing was, is a lot of times you, know, you show up and... and the, the locals aren't, aren't sure to trust you. When they finally figure out that you're not there to do anything to them, they, they, seem, they seem pretty forthcoming. But the problem with it is, is this, the, fluid, the, the, the situation was always fluid. Yeah. And, and one day, the people that you were protecting may be the same day in, in, that, in that group that may be harboring somebody who's a member of your enemy. And that, you know, they're, they're feeding back information on your troop movements, your numbers, and stuff like that. And somebody who you've seen, you've checked their paperwork, and you think that they're all right, um, is lined up in front of you uh, with a group of two or three hundred other people who are angry and, and armed. <laughs> Richard, listen, we haven't got time to talk about... One day, can you come in and talk to us about uh, being a UN peacekeeper? Would that be OK? Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's fascinating. But, but very quickly, Steve from Luton wants a word. Steve, what, what's your take on, on gun crime? Well, we should, um, the police should do more to... Uh, to put roadblocks in and and check vehicles and check people. What, what, everybody? Well, as and when, at least if you know, if the, it's the factor of like, if the police are going to be there, these guns ain't going to move around so much, are they? Well, let's, let's put that... We're running out of time. Richard, would the stop and search police roadblocks, would that have any effect? I mean, it, it has some, uh, but, I mean, obviously you've got to look at places like Afghanistan and Iraq where those sorts of operations take place, and it still happens. Uh, the simple fact of the matter is, is, do you want to live in a fascist police state where you, have to, where, where you have to have papers to move from town to town and have to undergo several inspections just to get to and from the shops or to and from work? Steve, do you want to live in a fascist police town? But listen, mate, it's better than being shot or, or shot a ricocheted bullet. And also, these people that are dealing in arms or whatever they're doing, a majority of them are from different cultures. These are people that are not mostly British. These are people that that's the way they live wherever they've come from. Richard, any, very quickly, you've got 30 seconds. Any truth in that? It's, it's, it's people from other cultures and other countries that are predominantly uh, indulging in this. Well, the gun trades I saw going on in, in a pub in London, I mean, those, those were just local British folks. Yeah. Um, yes, to some extent, some of it is true. I mean, like, like I said, the, the, the gang fights were happening in Milton Keynes. Those were between Somali gangsters uh, in Nottingham where we, there were shootings near my house. It was, it was Armenians versus, um, uh, uh, all I can tell you is people speaking Urdu. Yeah. Uh, but they're the end users, and they still are. They still make... You're, you're, you're still probably more likely to be struck by lightning than by a bullet. Richard, we're going to end it there on that vaguely positive note. We'll definitely get you in one day, Richard, to talk about UN peacekeeping in Bosnia. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Right. And thank you, Steve, as well. 6.46, travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. At present, if you're heading for the car, things are looking decent, and if you're already in the car, you shouldn't have too many problems. A1M's looking clear after the problems of earlier. The M1 is running nicely, and there are no M25 delays as yet, even through the roadworks. The only route I can see at the minute that's being flagged up on the speed sensors is a bit slow is the A1 as you go past Boreham Wood and in toward London. It's looking a little bit slow going past Edgware right now. That aside, you've got no other issues on the roads. Roadworks could still delay you, though, certainly if you're driving through Buckingham. They've got some works on the A413 London Road near to the total roundabout. Lights up on the A421 in that area as well. And on the trains, at the minute, everything's running to time. We've got no delays across the three counties. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
Right, 6.47 exactly. It's Thursday the 2nd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest 20% of infant deaths in Luton are due to genetic conditions linked to marriage between cousins. A 41-year-old man has been jailed for three and a half years for his involvement in a series of thefts from hospitals, including the Lister in Stevenage. In sport, Stadium NK will find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. And before seven o'clock, new research claims to have identified the ultimate nightmare colleague, Justin Dealey, has been out on the streets finding out what annoys you most about the people you work with. I need a word with Dealey, to be honest. Here's the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Another beautiful day today. Lots of spring sunshine around. It is a bit of a chilly start though. We're kicking off the day in around four or five degrees across most of the three counties. Although some of our uh, stations are actually showing um, just freezing one degree as well. So um, so depending on where you are really, that one degree is just outside of Milton Keynes. But it's good four degrees in um, just outside where in Garden City, so um, so you know, touch milder here. But the, the temperatures will rise nicely in the sunshine. There'll certainly be plenty of that once more. But a fair weather cloud into the afternoon. Temperatures today between 15 and possibly 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 in Fahrenheit. We may even see a touch higher than that, and that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, so no rain in the forecast, I'm afraid, for today or for tonight either. It's going to stay dry, clear skies, a lovely end to the day, I suspect, and then temperatures dropping overnight down to uh, locally as low is two or three degrees celsius so again possibly a touch of frost into tomorrow morning always possible and then tomorrow fine and dry for most of the day clouding over as we head into the afternoon the southwesterly breeze picking up as well this is a front coming through so don't be too alarmed if you wake up on saturday morning and think oh it's going to be a dreadful bank holiday because it's cloudy and there are some outbreaks of rain it will cheer up as we head into the afternoon and some uncertainty regarding the forecast at the moment but it does look like sunday and monday will be fine and dry with lots of sunshine around there's the forecast. Thank you. Weeknights from seven. Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill set. City Street is great. Fruit, veg. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Right from the start, you were a thief, you stole my heart, and I, your willing victim. I let you see the parts of me that weren't all that pretty And with every touch you fix them Now you've been talking in your sleep Oh, oh, things you never say to me Oh, oh, tell me that you've had enough Oh, our love, our love
that Jonathan Vernon-Smith is back today, which is uh, great news for everyone. But well done to Tim for filling in from the last few days. Crackers, I listened to a bit of Tim yesterday, even though I was off ill. Excellent stuff. Now, everyone here in the office this morning has annoyed me. Everyone. All of my colleagues, my friends, have annoyed me. A lot. Well, what annoys you about the people at your work? The most irritating part of my job is Justin Dealey. You want to, Justin? <laughs> yes, good morning, Ian. Yeah, talking about annoying people. Um, yeah, I, quite a coincidence. I, I, it's that talking to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what you've done this morning to annoy me? Oh, what have I done? Look better than you, maybe? Well, that's, listen, I'm wearing clothes, so I'm instantly winning. You don't know, do you? <laughs> no, go on. No, I'm not going to tell you. Come on, I, tell no, me. I'm Come not on. Gonna, I will tell you in the next hour, but all of you, all of you, have have failed to do one thing today. One oh. simple thing. Would it be make you a drink? Kelly Betts made me a drink, okay, and she so still she still let me down. Would it be to give you a bit of an ego massage? Ian, you're so great. We missed you so much yesterday. You are wonderful. Would that be it? You've been out in Luton this morning, Justin. What yes. have you been? Uh, what have you been up to, mate? Well, a new research out today uh, from the Institute of Leadership and Management. Uh, they claim to have found the ultimate nightmare colleague. Now, this is the colleague who turns up late for meetings. I got a second. I suspect this is going to be the Justin Dealey profile. Go on. Yeah. Point uh, one. Yes. Check. They leave dirty bowls and plates on the desk after lunch. That's you. Yes. And they send you emails, even though you sit directly opposite them. <laughs> Ian, I think they have been stalking you. They have been following you. They're describing yeah. you, Delia. You know it. <laughs> but we oh. have a meet. We have a meeting every morning mm. uh, at. Um, well, hang on. What time is that meeting these days? Ten thirty, I think. Ten thirty. J- Delia strolls in about ten four. Yeah. All right, girls. What have yeah. I missed? <laughs> Carry on. I've got a great story for you. Carry on. Carry yeah. on. Well, mind you, that's better than saying, oh, I've got a headache. It's five o'clock. I can't come into work today, guys. I've got a, I've got a headache. But um, I'll sit and listen to Tim as well. You, you've been speaking to people in Luton. Yes, I have. Saying. I've been in Luton. I've been asking people what annoys them about their work colleagues. And Ian, this is what they had to say. Now, what really gets your go is your work colleagues leaving quite literally 
everything and somebody else having to clear it up. Um, what exactly are they leaving then? Food, newspapers, everything. But how frustrating is that for you, having to work with these people, these animals? They're annoying. I don't know if they do it at home, but it's just disgraceful. Oh, because I, I wouldn't do it. And what about yourself, sir? What really annoys you about your work colleagues? They don't make enough tea. <laughs> I'm always making the tea. I'm supposed to be in charge. It's ridiculous. How does that work, then? So if you're in charge and you're making the tea, you've got to sort that situation out, haven't you? It's delegation. You always delegate up the chain, not down the chain. I mean, anything else apart from tea and too much tea-making? No, no. To be fair, I work with a good bunch of people, so... Well, Bill, we're looking at your work colleagues through this window. What really annoys you about your work colleagues? What what are their worst habits? You can't get out of bed in the morning. A lot of them? This one. And what's his name? Mud. Mud. Mud, apparently you can't get out of bed in the morning. Is this true? Yes, very yeah. true. Yeah, OK. So, so, so what can Mud do? Can, can he maybe go and get a new alarm clock or something? Sounds like a plan to me. OK, sir, what really gets you about your work, colleagues? What really annoys you? Uh, people not pulling their own weight at work. And have you ever said, Oi, what do you think you're doing? Um, once or twice. Yeah. And then what's happened? <laughs> um, normally it's picked up for a little bit, but... They generally go back to their own ways. Your colleagues sound very much like mine, and uh, Ian Lee, thank you very much indeed. So we've heard from lots of men. Let's now hear from a lady. Madam, what's the, the things that really annoy you about your work colleagues, their bad habits? Uh, sniffing. Sniffing, OK, that's one. Eating smelly food at the desk. Yes. Um, chewing loudly. Feet on tables. How do you go to work every day? It just must be a constant annoyance for you. It is. Yeah. It's a struggle. Did that woman say stiffing? Sniffing. Sniffing. I apologise. Yeah, so not enough tea making, sniffing, yep. people turning up late for work, leaving newspapers, smelly food, uh, you name it, we found it this morning in, in, what, 20 minutes or so. People get very, very annoyed about their work. Why was, that po- why was that poor young lad called Mud? I have got no idea. To be quite honest with you, I didn't want to ask. OK, so I'm going to tell you what you and my colleagues did or did not do this morning to annoy me. And you're normally the best at this, Justin. This is mm. why I'm, I'm doubly disappointed in you, yeah, Dealey. Double Dealey. Normally, I was expecting you to walk in this morning and say, all right, Lee, nice nut cut. (laughs) Yes, I've had what Justin Dilley calls a nut cut, what other sensible people call a haircut. Oh, well, I didn't really notice, to be honest with you. Sorry about that. You didn't um, notice. It's been long and shaggy for months, and now it's nice and trim. Well, I found you quite attractive this week, but um, I'll check you out later on, if it makes you feel better. Justin Dilley will speak to you later on. Producer Laura, you're pulling a face. Well... I just look at caught, this. I just cocked my head slightly to look at your hair to establish whether or not I could see if there was a difference, and I cannot. It, I haven't had it cut for two months. I've had quite a tight nut cut, and you can't... I'm saying it now. I've had a haircut, and you can't notice it. My only thought was, actually, that you're looking a bit more grey. Oh, for goodness sakes. This is really not... And you're looking really pregnant. That's not an insult. Oh, damn. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. What annoys you about the people you work with? There must be something that just gets on your nerves. And it's often it's the small things, isn't it, that drive us mad. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Producer Laura. And thank you in advance to Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're looking all right at the minute out there on the road. The M25 anti-clockwise is pretty slow, though, from the M1 to the A41 at Kings Langley, and then again from Maple Cross to the M40, so traffic's definitely building. Speed sensors picking up that it's starting to slow down, and looking at the cameras around there as well, you can see the hint of a queue starting to form, but it is all at least on the move at the minute. A similar story for the A1 as you head in toward London, southbound along the Barnet Bypass. In Boreham it's looking busy between Stirling Corner and Apex Corner at the A41. Main road north in 
Dagnall. And that's still got a lane close to Roadworks. It's the A4146, and they're doing the Roadworks near to Ringshaw Road. And if you're using the A5 as part of your journey this morning, it's running okay for the minute, but we have got the works in Fenny Stratford at the Little Chef Roundabout. Ongoing works so that they can add traffic lights to the roundabout there. Trains, they're looking good. No delays on the departure boards and no issues on the tubes if you're heading for London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour, a fifth of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Is it ever right for a cousin to marry a cousin? We'll find out more after the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's seven o'clock. The headlines, infant mortality concerns in Luton, police hunt Letchworth paedophile and decision day for Stadium MK. BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest 20% of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Borough Council research has also found the numbers of local children who die before their first birthday in Luton are significantly higher than the national average. They're meeting to discuss the way forward tonight. Jerry Taylor is Luton Borough's Director of Public Health. She told Ian Lee how they're tackling the situation at the moment. Making sure that people know what the health risks are um, and can act upon them accordingly in making their decisions. There is a um, screening and genetic counselling service that people can access through their GP and we're working with that service to make sure that they have some tailored information for the people of Luton. A jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of a teenager who was deliberately knocked off his bike. 22-year-old Kyle Beckford denies the murder of Delaney Brown in September last year. Police are hunting a paedophile from Letchworth who's gone on the run from jail. Michael McCartney failed to turn up for sentencing last week. Lee Agnew has the details. 77-year-old McCartney from Solishot Hall in Letchworth was found guilty of child sex offences dating between 1989 and 2006. Last Friday, he was jailed for eight years in his absence at Cambridge Crown Court. Police say that it's possible he's fled the country to Cyprus and is warning that anyone who helps him may face prosecution themselves. A financial watchdog is warning that many people with interest-only mortgages may be unable to repay them. The Financial Conduct Authority says that more than a million people aren't setting aside enough money and will be left with shortfalls averaging £70,000. Nick Hill from the Money Advice Service says people who buy a house need to plan for the long term. Once you've got the keys, you start to relax with your finances because you've managed to make this massive, really important decision in your life. But it doesn't stop there. It relies on yourself to make sure you've got an investment approach, a plan in place to make sure you can pay off your mortgage at the end of the term. Voting is taking place today in the latest elections for Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire County Councils. Polling stations are open until 10 o'clock tonight. Management speak has been highlighted as one of the top irritations for office workers. The Institute of Leadership and Management found that at the end of the day, you guys are fed up with touching base and targeting low-hanging fruit. So let's run up the flagpole and see you salute, shall we? The Sports Stadium MK will find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. 13 grounds will be chosen from a shortlist of 19. Milton Keynes' main rival for a place at Coventry and Leicester. The weather dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius. That's 59 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Lovely hair, too late. Really, Catherine, <laughs> when, when you um, do something to that mop on your head, I'm one of the first people to say, oh, that looks good, even when it doesn't. Mop? You mean long, lustrous locks? Yeah. 
I, I expected uh, a little, uh, just a little wink or a little, just something, Catherine. I've got nothing. <laughs> nothing. You expect that every morning. No, that's true, actually, yeah. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Nice to be back. Thank you to Justin Dealey for filling in for me yesterday. He's a good lad. He does good stuff. The thing is, I think he fills in this show too well for me. Can we not get someone who's a little bit substandard to fill in for me? This is always the danger. When, when the presenter is off, they want someone who's not very good. And I, I think both myself and Jonathan Vernon-Smith should be slightly worried. He had Tim filling in for him, who was excellent. And I had JD filling in, who was, you know... Very good, shall we say. Can we just get someone a little bit ropey in next time, please? No names, but I've got a few ideas. Right, lots coming up uh, between now and eight o'clock. And as always, I would love you to have your say on some of these stories. I'll give you the contact details in a second. Some of the things we're talking about include... A fifth of infant... I can't say that. A fifth of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The Borough Council says they want to do something about it. But we'll be hearing from the chair of the Luton Council of Faiths about why he married his cousin. Do you think cousins should be allowed to marry and have children together? 08459 455 555. Criminals are conning hospital staff in Hertfordshire into handing over their bank details. They're going into hospitals to steal people's purses and then use them on a bigger scam. Has a similar thing happened to you? And more than a million people with interest-only mortgages may be unable to repay them. The, the last times I've bought... Well, every time I've bought a house, I've been offered an interest-only mortgage. I, I, I cannot understand why anybody would take one. It just doesn't make any financial sense. Have you got an interest-only mortgage? Are you starting to worry about how you're going to pay for your house? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Shocking figures. One-fifth of the infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Um, the, the statistic published by Luton Borough Council also shows the number of children who die in infancy in Luton is 60% higher than the national average. Well, this evening, the council is holding a public meeting to discuss the issue. Zafar Khan from the Luton Council of Faiths has been married to his first cousin for 36 years. He spoke to our reporter, Justin Daly. We have five children, um, ranging from the age of 30, almost 35, to uh, 21 next month. And they're all healthy children? Yes, indeed, yes. I mean, there could be people saying that this is disgusting uh, and this shouldn't be happening. Is this still happening as commonly now as what it did when you married your first cousin? Well, I mean, I, I think um, it's, it's, it's not disgusting at all because uh, this, is, this, is, this is quite common. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's part of the uh, traditions and uh, I think, um, you know, social customs uh, evolve over centuries and... Uh, so perhaps, um, you know, whatever change takes place, takes place slowly. And Would you have felt guilty if your baby had suffered long-term damage because you'd had a baby with your cousin? Would you have felt guilty? Or would you say, well, it's our culture, that's what we believe in, and these things happen? Right. Uh, a parent who has a, a child with some kind of defi- deformity or disability is always uh, very sad. You know, if you... 
if you as a parent uh, and many parents uh, in society not just in uh, muslim or asian society but in all societies have children with disability and it it, it must be heartbreak breaking to have a child with disability so i mean i i would look at it that way if you have a disabled child do you feel guilty i don't think so a child yeah, but then child. again if i have a, a baby with my fiance there's no risk associated with that compared to marrying my cousin uh perhaps perhaps not do you think things will now change if more education more information is out there about the harm that could be caused to your baby do you think things yeah. will change now no people are more conscious because we are we are changing society is changing we are becoming more aware of uh, medical science and wherever people do have tests and so on and wherever it's appropriate people refrain from marrying uh, in the close uh, kin um uh, but it will take time i think is it cruel then if a married couple who are cousins decide to have a child knowing that their child could die or be deformed is that cruel it's not a question of uh, um parents being cruel it's a question of whether parents are aware uh, of the risks any parents could be uh, potentially having a child with with deform- deformity not That's not true. necessarily not necessarily uh, cousins but of course there are risks involved with the uh, marrying in the close uh, kin group and i think uh, uh, people are becoming more and more aware of that okay sorry to push you on this answer no, 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 it, no. it's a yes or no do you think if people have a baby together if they're marrying their cousin and they have a baby together that they know the risks yet well, they continue they, to have that baby is that cruel no, yes or no if they knew the risk they should not uh, a marriage uh, of people who would potentially have a child of that uh, uh uh kind uh, should not actually enter into marriage if they if they know that there is a potential of having a child who would be born with some uh, deformities or disabilities well that was justin daly speaking to zafar khan but but if you marry your cousin and have a child with a cousin then you do know there's an increased risk. Here, here are some uh, figures. Between April 2009 and March 2011, genetic conditions linked to cousin marriages was a factor in 20 out of 98 infant deaths, a fifth. 20 kids died over that two-year period because it was cousins having babies. Uh, this was just in Luton, by the way, all from British-Pakistani families. Many of the affected families had one or more previous infant deaths from the same conditions. So some of them had had a kid that had died because they were cousins. They then went and had another kid that then died because they were cousins. It, it isn't right. Uh, listen... It was very popular uh, around the world to marry your cousin. Uh, um, the, the Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, weren't they weren't they cousins, I think? I suspect they may have been. Big in the royalty, big in, in, in posh families, and, and, and look at those guys, huh? There's nothing odd going on there, is there? Uh, but, but it kind of died out in the Western world in um, the early 20th century. It's not right. Is it? Am I, again, am I, am I a lone voice here, as I was the other day? Am I going to get a load of abuse on Twitter and Facebook once again? I don't care, because I'm, I'm kind of believing in what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. It's wrong, isn't it? it? I think it's morally and ethically wrong to marry your cousin. And then to have kids when you know there is an increased chance of genetic weaknesses. 08459 555. I like your views either way on this. If you think I'm barking up the wrong tree, do give me a call. If you've married your cousin, Pakistani or otherwise, 
would love to talk to you this morning. I know it's a long shot. I know it doesn't happen that much. But I would love to talk to you. 08459 455 555. We'll be talking about this more in this show later on. There'll also be more on this story with uh, Chad and Patak on Sunday from 6pm on BBC Three Counties. Call 08459-455-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555-555-BBC3CountiesRadio。555
But the, the, the gentleman, the UN, former UN peacekeeper, said, well, he's seen gun trades happening in pubs quite openly. 08459 four double five five double five. 715 Travel News, Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 I'm looking at right now on the speed sensors, flagging up some delays, about maybe 10-15 minutes between the Luton Airport's Burr at Junction 10 and the A5 at Redbourne at Junction 9. Average speeds have definitely dropped right down, so traffic starting to build around there. M25 anti-clockwise, busier even than it was 15 minutes ago. Delays now start at the M1 and continue around to Watford at Junction 19. Then after a little bit where it flows nicely, it gets slow again from Chorleywood at Junction 18 through to the M40 at Junction 16. Could take you about 15-20 minutes to get through that stretch of the motorway. Looking at the M40, it's running all right down toward London, no delays at the minute. The A1 is a bit slow though as you go through Boreham Wood and in toward London. Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus is where it's most busy. And on speed sensors I can see a bit of a queue building on the A405 as you come from the Park Street roundabout down to the M25 at Junction 21A. Trains are still looking good, no delays on those departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, it's 7.16, it's Thursday the 2nd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest that 20% of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Police are hunting a paedophile from Letchworth who's gone on the run from jail. It's thought Michael McCartney may have fled the country. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't return to the Crucible even if he wins a fifth world snooker title as he's not enjoying his return to the sport. The weather today in beds, hearts and bucks. Dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees. Coming up, before 7.30, criminals are conning hospital staff in Hertfordshire into handing over their bank details. They're going into hospitals, stealing uh, purses and using them as part of a bigger scam. Has something similar happened to you? We did report on on something kind of linked to this a few weeks ago. Since then, it's happened to my mother-in-law. There are some very, very naughty people out there. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. I'll be in Kimpton on Friday as I continue to discover the towns and villages that you call home. Nick Coffer. There'll be a special performance from the local Amdram group. Find out how I get on joining the school orchestra. There's live music and a spot of wine tasting. Across beds, hearts and bucks. There's also a rumour I may be eating dog biscuits. <laughs> Nick Coffer. Live from the boot in Kimpton, Friday from midday. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've all eaten dog biscuits, haven't we? We've all come in late at night, a little bit worse for wear, couldn't get a kebab on the way home, there's nothing in the fridge and... Oh, well, there's, the, there's the dog biscuits, there's the cat, cat sweets. I'll just have a few, just to, just to stay... F- oh, these aren't bad. I'll have a few. We've all done that, haven't we? Hospital staff in Hertfordshire have been targeted by criminals who've conned them into handing over their bank details. Thieves have been stealing their wallets, then phoning their victims, pretending to be from their banks. This week, a man has been jailed for withdrawing nearly £4,000 from the account of a worker at the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. It was revealed he'd committed 30 similar offences across the country over a three-year period. Earlier on in the show, I spoke to Susan, not her real name, who works at a hospital in the three counties and was a victim of a similar scam. The first I knew about it, I got a phone call um, through to the desk where I work. Someone posing as my bank, telling me that my account 
um, was trying to be used in the Oxfordshire area and someone was trying to withdraw £2,000. And that was the first, that was the first I, I knew about it. And did it all sound right? Did, it, did they sound... Did you, did you kind of think, oh, this is my bank on the phone, yeah, OK. No, I, I didn't because I wasn't aware... The first alarm bells that rung were that I wasn't aware that work had... or the bank had my work details right um i thought they only had my home number and my um, mobile number so that was the first thing that rang yeah. alarm bells the second thing was i'd only just been to lunch about half an hour previous and I had my purse with all my cards in it yeah. so um no it did ring alarm bells well that was earlier on in the show chris mcdonald is an area security management specialist at nhs protect they tackle crime across the health service morning chris yeah good morning chris can you explain what what, what they do these scammers yeah of course and 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 you know, i've got to sort of emphasize i listened to your 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 caller earlier in the program uh, and it, and it has to be said that that they are so convincing on the phone. Yeah. Um, what they do typically, they'll they'll come into a, a hospital or or a clinic surgery, um, and they'll they'll what we call tailgate. That's they'll 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 get to a, an access control corridor, normally one that contains sort of offices. Um, uh, wait for somebody to go through the access control doorway using their their swipe card or or, or, or um, password. Uh, and they'll follow them through the door once the door's open. Uh, once in the corridor, they'll they'll literally just look into offices. You'll, until they find an empty one, they'll, they'll pop into that office, find a handbag or, or, or a jacket over the back of a chair, um, steal the purse or wallet, and then they're off. And, and, and they're just in there for seconds. Um, they're, they're smartly dressed. They they look as if they fit in. Often they'll be wearing a, an NHS-style lanyard around their neck, an ID lanyard. Oh, so they kind of dress up a bit and play the parts? Oh, very much so. Oh. Absolutely. Um, they'll, they'll often have a mobile phone in their hand as well. So if, as they're walking down a corridor, somebody comes towards them, um, they'll, they'll put the mobile phone to their ear because, you know, even if you, if you would normally challenge somebody and say, what are you doing here? If, they, if they're on the phone and talking to somebody, well, you're not going to interrupt them, are you? It, it, I'm assuming this isn't particularly common. I mean, how how often is this happening? Well, we had a spate where it where it was it, it was quite common, uh, and we were looking. I say quite common. We were looking at, uh, at maybe three or, or four incidents a week, but then we're looking nationwide, not just in the three counties area. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of hospitals, uh, and it was happening um, three maybe four times a week. Um, from the beginning of this year, from, from when Adrian Garrick, the, the chap we're talking about, um, w- was arrested and, and, and remanded in custody, <laughs> the numbers plummeted. Uh, and we only had a handful in the first three months of this year. Uh, unfortunately, in the last few weeks, we, we've seen a few more. But um, yeah, it certainly plummeted when, when Adrian was, was uh, remanded. And how did you... How... Obviously, they're stealing these things and they're making the phone calls. How many of, of the, the staff are actually giving the bank details that they're, asked, that they're being asked for? Well, that, that's the problem. Um, and NHS Protect are obviously sort of looking at, uh, at the figures. Um, I would say probably about 50% of the time, unfortunately. Really? Um, but then you can understand that, I mean, obviously, and it's important to, for, for your listeners to, to know that the bank will never, ever, ever, ever ask for that pin number and, and you must never ever give it out however convincing anybody is but because they've taken the the, the wallet or the purse they've, they've they've got access to your private information so your driving license probably in there so they know your date of birth and your address your postcode and so on uh, you've probably got receipts stuffed in there from 
the journey to Sainsbury's last night. So they'll tell you that the last thing you did on your credit card was spent £27.50 at Sainsbury's or Tesco's. Um, and, and, and that will sort of kind of convince you, because you're already in panic mode. They've asked you if you've got your purse. You've suddenly looked in your handbag, you haven't got it. Uh, you're in a tailspin already, uh, and they're very convincing. This gentleman, Mr Garrick, who, who's, who's been arrested, I mean, how do the, how do the victims feel once they realise they've been scammed? Um, well, two, two, of course, uh, frightened, obviously, because they're going to lose money, um, uh, but embarrassed as well, you have to say. I mean, the, the, your caller earlier, of course, whose name we didn't disclose, um, the, the, you feel a bit of a fool, I have to say. Um, because you've given out your PIN, and you know, we all know we don't give our PIN numbers out, uh, and yet you do. Um, so, embarrassed, definitely. I would imagine, when something like this happens, that um, it, th th there will be suspicion, and people thinking, well, was it Steve in accounts? Was, 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 it, was it Lisa? who did? Were they reassured in any way to find out that it wasn't one of their colleagues that had done this? Um, oh, oh, look, most certainly. Um, most certainly. Uh, and, and, of course, in the majority of cases, and, th and this is where these people, I don't know, they're, they're clever in doing the scam, they're, they're not clever in, in, in hiding themselves, because in all of our hospitals these days we've got CCTV, so we'll find them, um, and we'll find the CCTV of them, not necessarily stealing the, uh, the purse, but, you know, and this is where they, they are quite clever in, in a way, I suppose, because they'll, they'll maybe do an offence in, in, in Derby today, and, and then a couple of days later they'll be in Canterbury and Kent, and because it's separate police forces, the police don't necessarily mm. join the dots. Um, and, th and that's where NHS Protect comes in, because, you know, we coordinate all of these, these incidents and make sure that the, the different police forces are aware that this is a, a, a national crime. Uh, and I have to say, the, the relationship that's been built up between NHS Protect and, and Hertfordshire Constabulary is fantastic. Uh, and, and the detective that, that led on this inquiry with Garrick, uh, Emma Landucci, uh, was superb, uh, and in fact, quite rightly, uh, at the end of the of the trial of Garrick, the, the judge awarded her accommodation for her uh, detective ability. Chris, I'm so naive. Right? I really, I went to visit my cousin in hospital a couple of well, about a month ago now, and he was in an isolated room, so I had to to leave my bag and my coat outside and, and put a, a, a robe on and mask and stuff like that. And I left my bag in the hallway, and a nurse came along and said, "Oh no, don't don't leave it there." I said, "Why not?" She said, "Well, someone might nick it." And I, I, I'm so naive to think that when you're in a hospital, everyone's loving and everyone wants the best for everyone. And every, but it's not the case. Should I know that, that it was it was staff that were targeted in these specific events? Should patients and visitors be worried? Oh, well, worried not. I mean, even, even like I say, when we've got three or four incidents a week, that's three or four incidents over hundreds and hundreds yeah. of hospitals. Um, so the chances of it happening are, 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 are really quite small. There's certainly no need in our hospitals to be frightened. The, the, the staff are aware that these things happen. Um, the, if you've got any concerns at all, all you've got to do is go to a member of staff and mention it. Um, the, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because the, the NHS is, is, is very much a, a sort of an open and, and, and welcoming place. But at the same time, um, there are people that do prey on the fact that we are so sort of opening and welcoming. So it, it, is, it is important to, to just be aware of, of, of your own security, to and what I would sort of police your own space, if you like, um, and, and, and make sure that you don't leave yourself open to becoming a victim. Chris
Chris, I really appreciate your time this morning. Chris McDonald, Area Security Management Specialist at NHS Protect. I- I'd love to hear your stories. If uh, I couldn't believe it when I was in the hospital. I'm, I'm so naive. And you do think it's a hospital. Everyone's going to be... Con- it was a hospital on a really nasty ward as well. You know, re- nasty in terms of what they were dealing with. And you think, oh, everyone's going to be... You know, concerned and uh, the, the secure. Uh, you know, the, everyone's going to be concerned and loving, and we want the best for everyone there. And the nurse said, "Oh, don't leave that there; it'll get nicked." I said, "Really? Yeah, don't it'll get nicked." What outside a room where there's a lad in there, wild up to machine who's just had a tracheotomy? Yeah, yeah, just just be incredible. It is incredible. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number uh, if you want to uh, give me a call and share your stories about that. Just time to tell you that yes, he's back from nine o'clock. Jonathan Vernon Smith will be here. He's starting off with the big phone in, and then from eleven, it's onto the consumer issues, including that of Lee. He bought a new battery for his mobility scooter, but it didn't seem to hold charge. Should it last more than a year? Yes. I would say it would. And can Jonathan help him uh, with the shop he bought it from? I bet Jonathan can. I bet. I've seen Jonathan Vernon Smith on the, uh, making those phone calls to, um, to companies that have let uh, his listeners down. He's very good. Oh, he's very good. JVS Show this morning from nine o'clock on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. We're also talking this morning. Things that irritate you at work about your work colleagues. What really irritates you? I've, I've been very annoyed this morning that hardly anybody, well, no one, in fact, spotted uh, that I'd had a haircut. Um, Margaret O'Dell says, um, it's people who sniff. I can't bear it. Get a tissue. Yeah, sniffers. Just do that all the time. So, uh, yeah, just uh, blow your nose, for goodness sakes. And Annie says, nothing annoys me about the, uh, my colleagues. I work alone from home. Thank you very much, Annie. Glad you felt you could be part of the debate. Travel News Now with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian, I just have one sort of important point to raise with regards to sniffers. Now, I I would say I am one sometimes, but it's because I've suffered with hay fever since I was three. Right. And if I used a tissue every time, I'd be going through sort of eight boxes of tissues. No, 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 Adam. Half an hour. You use, look, look, let me get what I've got from my pocket here. You use a handkerchief. Look oh, at no. this. See, I do. I do. Well, then really fine. Go, One go, in each pocket. Go to the loo and have a blow. No, hang on a second. <laughs> Get on with the travel, please. <laughs> the M1 southbound. It's got a few delays already this morning. Luton Airport spurt through to Redbourne Junction 10 to 9. Anti-clockwise M25 is busy as well from the M1 to Watford, then from Chorleywood to the M40, taking a total of maybe half an hour already to get through there. Clockwise starting to look slow into the roadworks, and the A1, if that's your route of choice into London, is busy in Boreham Wood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. The A10 now looking slow as well, queues through Chesant, approaching the Winston Churchill Way, and again once you get beyond the M25, queues through Enfield between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. No delays on the trains though. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. 7.30, something news and sport now, here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. New figures suggest 20% of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to marriage between cousins. Police are hunting a paedophile from Letchworth who's gone on the run from jail. It's thought 77-year-old Michael McCartney may have fled the country. And a financial watchdog is warning that many people with interest-only mortgages may be unable to repay them. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Organisers of the 2015 Rugby Union World Cup are planning to host as many as five games at London's Olympic Stadium. Stadium MK is in contention to make the final shortlist of 12 venues which will be released later this morning. But as the BBC's Rugby Union correspondent Ian Robertson reports, purpose-built rugby stadiums are in the minority. From a long initial list of around 20 venues, it's expected that the final 12 will be named this morning. Only four rugby grounds are likely to be used in the 2015 World Cup, Twickenham, the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, plus Kingsholm in Gloucester and Exeter. The RFU hope to announce that the Olympic Stadium will host up to five matches and Wembley will also be used. The most likely remaining six football grounds will be Newcastle United, Leeds United and Manchester City in the north, Aston Villa and Leicester City in the Midlands and Brighton in the south. In football, Bayern Munich will play Borussia Dortmund in the first ever All-German Champions League final later this month after they beat Barcelona 3-0 at the Nou Camp in their semi-final second leg to record a 7-0 aggregate victory. Chelsea, meanwhile, will look to book their place in Europa League final tonight. They take a 2-1 lead into the second leg of their semi-final against Swiss side Basel at Stamford Bridge. The defending world snooker champion Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't be returning to the Crucible even if he wins a fifth title. Speaking after his 13-4 quarter-final Final win over Stuart Bingham, O'Sullivan revealed he only ended his exile from the sport to fund his children's private education. He says it's time for him to move on. I think it's about time I look for something else, but you never know, I might plan a few PTC events. And you never know with the way the game's changing all the time. Barry Hearn's always changing formats, seedings, this and that. So it might suit me to plan the odd little event. But as far as um, putting my life into it, it's, it's not going to work for me. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. See, you um, hate your job and uh, <laughs> coming in every day, but yet you, you have put your life into it, haven't you? Yeah, I really have thrown my whole life into this job. Thanks very much. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I think we saw behind the curtain there. Morning, this is Ian Lee. 08459 455 555. Is it ever acceptable for cousins to marry? We're talking about that. Also, is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? It follows another shooting in Luton this week. The 12th, 12th gun-related crime in the town this year. We'll be speaking to a firearms expert to find out what he thinks needs to be done. And more than a million people with interest-only mortgages may be unable to repay them. Were you advised to get an interest-only mortgage? Why did you do it? You've still got to pay all the money back. You're just paying the interest back. They were offered to me, and I, I kept scratching my head going, why is this a good idea? I can see no benefit in doing it. If you've got an interest-only mortgage, you're some kind of muppet. You really are. What was your reason for doing it? 08459 455 555 You can text 81333 Start your text 3CR Put your name on please Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Now is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? It follows another shooting in Luton this week The 12th gun related crime in the town this year Well our reporter Justin Dealey has spent the morning in Luton Another gun story Justin Absolutely uh, As you mentioned Ian um, The 12th one this year People in Luton are very concerned I've been asking people in the town this morning Whether enough is being done to take these guns off the streets Um, Full of opinions this morning This is what people had to say So Beverly, do you think enough has been done done in Luton to take illegal guns off the streets here? I think that's a, a hard question to answer because in the past there was a lot more police on the street and I think gun crime was not so predominant then 
but since I've had cuts and there's not so many people on the beat, the opportunity is there more so for youth to go and get guns and, and commit such unnecessary crimes. It's very, very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, because we, we seem to be forever talking about another shooting in yeah. Luton. Just how concerned are you living here in the town? I'm very concerned because Luton is a nice town. Um, I'm concerned because it's happening during the day, not just during the night. I'm concerned because I have a daughter myself. And even though she's doing quite well at university, you just need to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Somebody with me now who's a teenager, do you think enough is being done to take illegal guns off the street here in your town? No, not really. It's mainly because there, now there's less police on the street. You've got more of the gangs going out, thinking they can do stuff and then get away with it. And it's just not enough, so there needs to be more police on the street, uh, more warnings in place, just things like that. It's exactly what the previous lady said to me, that there's not enough police out there. You've had the chance to, to join these gangs, but, but you haven't gone into them. Can you tell us why? Well, it's just because I know the consequences. I know that people are going to get hurt. I just don't like doing that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't want to mess my life up to uh, go and join a gang. It's just not worth it. So you know for an absolute fact that there are people in Luton right now in these gangs who are carrying knives. You know that for a yes, fact. Yes, there definitely is people in Luton who are carrying knives and guns. Have you seen the guns yourself? I haven't seen the guns. I've seen people with knives, but I haven't seen people with guns. So had you have joined one of these gangs then, would you have been given a gun? Uh, most probably, or a knife. And you would have been told what to do with it. Just everything like that that you need to know. Okay, and um, a final point here, it's very honest what you're saying, a final point, can this really be tackled now? Has it gone too far? Has the problem become too big in Luton? I think it might have done. There's so many people now on the streets with guns and knives, it's just so silly. Because if they would have taken earlier measures, then maybe less knives and stuff would have been put on the street. Well, Justin, lots of uh, uh, voices there and some fascinating stories. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's all very well talking to people on the streets who, who may have um, no connection to, to gangs at all. Uh, they're very concerned. But, but it's when you speak to the teenagers, I think you, you find the real story there. I mean, that person was, was a teenager, um, 17 years old, had the opportunity to, to join one of these gangs where he knows that he would have been given a gun probably, um, if not certainly a knife. So that, that Listening to that this morning was was very concerning for me and again it's the 12th gun related crime this year alone in Luton and um, certainly the feeling in the town is it is one of worry uh, whether these peace rallies will make any difference whatsoever we don't know but of course we can only hope so. I like the idea of a peace rally I think it's a nice thing to do but surely the people who are causing the problems they're not going to go to the peace rally. They're not, not going to listen, are they? You, you wouldn't think so, but um, the policing, again, is a big issue with people here. Uh, they're saying not enough police out there keeping an eye on things. Other people have said to me, not enough is being done in the community to talk to these people first. I mean, that person we spoke to there, it was his decision not to join the gang. He's got his head screwed on. He wants to have a bright future. But, of course, people can be easily led. And according to, to lots of people in the town, they're saying... Not enough is being done to, to speak to those people before they get the opportunity to go and join these gangs. Justin Dealey, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much indeed. Mike Yardley is a firearms expert and spokesman for the Shooting Sports Trust. Morning, Mike. Morning, Ian. Mike, is most of this gun crime caused by illegally held weapons? 99% of it. In fact, nearly all the gun crime in the UK is connected one way or another to the drugs trade. 
It's about the um, consequent turf wars between drug gangs. And if you were to do something about the drugs, you'd be doing something about the illegal guns. Remember, nearly all the guns involved in these crimes are not sort of guns that people would use, for example, to go clay pigeon shooting or something like that. They're guns which have been illegal in this country for quite a long time. I mean, handguns were banned after Thomas Hamilton's rampage in Dunblane. So these are all illegal guns, and they didn't come from the legal shooting community. Um, that's a key point. But there were some very in interesting things said in those interviews, because I think people are obviously very concerned about this. And it is about getting to young people, about talking to them. There are a lot of very interesting initiatives in the States as far as gangs are concerned. Those are worth exploring. We still have porous borders, unfortunately. We have illegal guns coming in with illegal drugs into this country. That is a major problem. But there is also, I think, a need for perspective. I do find it interesting with Luton um, that you're having so much of this sort of gun crime. Mm. I, I notice in Ireland, for example, you also get something similar happening in Limerick, of all places. So um, th there are other precedents. But generally speaking in the UK, we have very, very little firearms homicide or indeed gun crime, quite a lot of knife crime. But overall, we've got about 40 firearms homicides a year, something like that comparing to about 10,000 in the U.S., um, that's 40 times higher, even correcting for population. And even if you went over to Europe, if you went to Germany, you'd see that they had perhaps four times as much gun crime as we do. Guns here, legally owned ones, are very strictly controlled. The problem is in the illegal guns, but particularly it's the drugs trade. Do something about the drugs trade and you do something about the guns and the knife crime. Thank you for being in context. You're right. And I, I never want to be one of those people that, that um, do, hey, there are guns everywhere. Everybody panic. Well, you know, the, the reason we're doing this again is just because this is the 12th uh, incident this year in Luton, which, which does seem a lot. Any idea why somewhere like Luton, Mike, would, would have such a high figure? Yeah, let me just say, and it's not <laughs> blowing sweet nothings in your direction. I thought that was an excellent piece of journalism from your reporter, because it's really getting at what is going on? Why do we see these sort of things happening? I gave some evidence to Lord Cullen after the Dunblane tragedy. Um, that concerned a mock killings, but it was my like, key idea was that I thought that the individual in society was becoming more alienated and frustrated than maybe the individual of 50 years ago. And that has its part to play in things like a mock killings, where somebody goes and shoots a lot of people, which is a, a worldwide phenomenon that we've seen in recent years. I think also as far as kids are concerned, if you look at the, the whole drug-related culture, these are alienated kids. They've got nowhere to go. The, the drug um, gang becomes a sort of alternative family to them. And if you go to the States, you do see that there's some really excellent initiatives that do get to the kids themselves. Do those things work? I, I'm, I'm assuming you mean kind of what, what people going into schools and talking and things like that? No, or going way, up... way beyond. Really? Yeah. What yeah. kind of stuff are they doing? Well, they're, they're going, they have programs where they, they talk to gang members, where they, they try and actually have people who've been ex-gang members themselves trying to connect with these kids. Um, and of course, you know, they're watching all the sort of video games, all that sort of stuff, games which maybe take away their moral sense, where you see people being shot and murdered on screen, that's part of the game you play, very popular with young people. But as well as that, I think there is a real problem of a lost generation. These kids may feel they're not going to get jobs, they may feel that they've got all sorts of other personal problems, and that's at the beginning of this process. And what you need to do is to get people who possibly have been gang members themselves talking to these kids and getting them back on the straight and narrow. Now, that's very, very difficult. 
Um, meantime, I think it is there is a policing issue here because a lot of members of the local community, bluntly in some places, they're more frightened of the drug gangs than they are of the police. And that is a problem that has to be addressed too, and that is a challenging one for the police themselves. You mentioned video games there, Mike. Do, do you really think that they, they corrode young people's uh, morals and ethics? Surely people are... are clever enough the majority of people are clever enough to differentiate between the fantasy of playing a, a game or, or watching a film and what happens in real life or do you well, disagree well it's a very good question i'm an experimental psychologist by my own academic training and i've looked at the you know all the academic papers on this and and there is you know the, not everybody agrees but the american psychological association did come out <clears throat> excuse me and say that they thought there was a link a causal link between visual violence and violent behavior i think it's common sense frankly that there probably is i mean you know we use advertising uh, advertising and every major company uses advertising presumably because it works if you see something on screen particularly if you interact with something where for example you're pulling a trigger and shooting somebody and you see blood coming down the screen as you do in some of these games yes i do think that that has an effect on young people and i think a lot of them don't perhaps have the relationship with reality that you and I do, and therefore it's even more dangerous. Dustin Hoffman came out with some very interesting comments, you know, talking about putting um, murder and torture um, on film and putting music to it and calling it entertainment and saying he just thought that that was morally wrong, and I agree with him. I, I think we've been far too soft on the entertainment media and also on the makers of these games because I do think they have a significant impact. Um, at the time of the Dunblane shootings, I looked at the top 10 rental videos. There was an average, I think, of 13 firearms killings per video. Um, yes, I do think that that is part of the problem, but it's not the biggest one. No. The biggest one is the drugs trade. Do something about drugs, you do something about illegal guns and gun homicide. Mike, I really appreciate your time. Fascinating stuff. Mike Yardley, uh, firearms expert, spokesman for the Shooting Sports Trust. What would you do to stop gun crime? Interesting uh, what he was saying about what's going on in America with ex... Uh, gang members and ex-criminals speaking to younger people. What would you do to stop the gun crime? The 12th gun incident in Luton this year. It's, what is it, the 2nd of May. It's incredible, isn't it? 08459 455 555. 7.45, travel news now. Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Just looking at the speed sensors on the A5. Southbound traffic starting to build in the Whipsnade area from Lynch Hill down toward the M1 at Junction 9 is looking slow. But the M1 itself seems to have eased off a little bit and it's certainly running a bit better than it was about half an hour ago. A41 from Hemel Hempstead down to the M25 is looking busy. We've still got a queue as well on the A405, the North Orbital Road, as you head from the Park Street roundabout down to the M25. Then M25 traffic, well, average morning, I would say. It's slow anti-clockwise from Kings Langley to the M4, taking maybe 40 minutes to get through the traffic at present. Clockwise looking busy into the roadworks section, starting around Junction 23, the A1M. And the A1 is slow through Boreham Wood between Sterling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Heading for the station right now, your journey should be a pretty decent one this morning. Whether you're heading north or down toward London, everything on the trains is running reasonably well. One cancellation on the departure boards if you're heading from Luton up toward Bedford. The 808 service that was coming up from Kent from Ashford has been cancelled because of a train fault. But apart from that, everything else looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. I'm sorry. 
My wife has just tweeted me and this radio station. We're, we're saying what annoys you about people you work with, OK? Well, she's tweeted, what annoys people at home? Someone getting annoyed. We've not noticed their haircuts. No names mentioned. Yeah, even my wife didn't notice. Even I was sat there with my son on my lap going, can you notice anything different about Dada? No. I'm pointing my eyes up to the... <laughs> I'm pointing my eyes up to my head. He went, you've got bouncy eyes? <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Right, 7.47, I'm Ian Lee. Uh, it's Thursday, where are we? Yes, Thursday, the 2nd of May. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest 20% of inf- infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to marriage between cousins. Police are hunting a paedophile from Letchworth who's gone on the run from jail. It's thought 77-year-old Michael McCartney may have fled the country. In sport, Stadium MK will find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Coming up, a fifth of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The Borough Council says they want to do something about it. Well, we'll be hearing from the chair of the Luton Council of Faiths about why he married his cousin. Do you think cousins should be allowed to have children together? It's weird, isn't it? 08459 455 555. Is the weather with Elizabeth? Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A very good morning to you. Well, it's not a bad looking day today either. We're going to see lots of spring sunshine around. Temperatures possibly slightly higher than they were yesterday. But it is a rather chilly start. There's a few mist patches out there as well. But temperatures are rising nicely. And we've got between 2 and 5 degrees actually across the three counties at the moment. And we'll see those temperatures rise to 15 or even 16 degrees in Tring and Luton, Stevenage and um, in Chesant as well. That's uh, 61 in Fahrenheit. Lots of sunshine around. Just a light breeze and a bit of fair weather cloud bubbling up here and there through the afternoon but all in all it's going to be another lovely day in some places we could even see a peak um, a peak of the temperatures up to 17 or even 18 degrees certainly closer to London we may well see that so it is going to feel nice and warm in the sunshine a fine end to the day and then overnight tonight clear skies light winds temperatures dropping locally as low as two or three degrees Celsius possibly a touch of frost in the suburbs into tomorrow morning as well and then tomorrow fine and dry for the most part the breeze increasing through the afternoon we'll probably see a little bit more in the way of cloud again and by Saturday morning don't be too alarmed if you wake up it's a bit damp and drizzly I think the bank holiday will tend to buck the trend as it were and we'll see it fine and dry for the latter part of Saturday afternoon and indeed on Sunday and Monday but do keep updated because these things I suppose could change that's the forecast thank you very much you've got bouncy eyes dada Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Really, it could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do this same for you. It took one phone call from yourself, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, he's back as well. Back at nine o'clock. We'll probably pop in here in what? Oh, I don't know. 35 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. 20 minutes. I don't know. 23 minutes. I don't know. What are you asking me for? I just sit here. Now, have you got an interest-only mortgage? Why? Have you thought how you might pay it off? 
The city regulator is today warning that more than a million people with this type of mortgage face a financial crunch when payback time comes. The Financial Conduct Authority says the average shortfall for these borrowers could be more than £70,000. Well, Annie Shaw is a financial advisor from St Albans. Annie, just for those who don't know, could could you explain basically what an interest-only mortgage is? Uh, yes, right, there's two types of mortgage. The normal one is you take out a loan and you pay back, you pay interest on it, obviously, like a, an ordinary loan, and you pay back the capital, the amount of money that you borrowed at the same time. An interest-only one is where you don't pay back the capital. You only pay the interest each month. And you, you uh, well, either, as this uh, the financial authorities finding out a lot of people have no way at all of paying back that capital or you have to set up a parallel system to pay it back which might be a savings so at the, well, like the end the end of the end of 20 25 years you could still have £200,000 to pay. This is the, absolutely the wow. problem. I mean, the thing is that uh, we have to remember is that these things were devised because p- p- tricky people in the, in, the, in the financial services industry thought there was a better way of paying back the money than just actually handing the money over to the, uh, to, to the lender every month, which is what you get with a capital repayment mortgage. They thought you could get something like an endowment, and that was the kind of savings plan. Well, they were, didn't they? lots and lots of money, and yeah. you'd have more money at the end of it because that money would be invested and you get even more money at the end of the term so you pay off the loan with, with a lump sum and then you'd have a, a, a tidy sum you can go on a cruise with it of course that's, we know that that's all absolute, that's a, uh, not happened at all and people have got huge shortfalls but then of course a new development came in the market where people actually didn't take out any savings plan at all they just were thinking well it's cheaper I can just pay the interest it'd be like renting and I won't own my house at the end of the period and maybe I'll sell it but of course if you can't sell it then that's a problem and if you do sell it where are you going to live it's up because i was offered um this i got my first mortgage well let me think about 12 years ago and they offered me an interest only mortgage and then about five years ago again and i was scratching my head saying but i don't i i can't understand why this why anyone would take this it just doesn't make any sense i mean imagine if you were say from overseas and you wanted to come and live in london or in 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 home counties expensive property and you weren't going to stay in in england then that might be a way to finance a property purchase you just pay the interest on the loan and then when you went back to france or germany whatever it is you'd sell the house and there'd be no problem the thing is if you're going to live in your house as most people are families they are going to have to live somewhere so they're then faced with buying hoping that the, the property has gone up in value and then selling it and then trying to buy somewhere smaller with whatever the profit right. is on the raised house price but of course that doesn't always work so what exactly is the fca saying well they they wanted they, they, they've just done a study and basically they wanted to see and the extent of the problem because there's obviously been a lot of rumbling going on about what what is uh, you know um uh, whether this is actually going to you know ca- cause a, a crisis for individuals and indeed for uh, lenders because they're going to be have all these these launches on their books and nobody no no means of people repaying them i mean they've got um, the 600,000 homeowners are going to have to repay their interest only mortgage before 2020 and they found that um, 100,000 so so that's a really large percentage of them are going to have a shortfall of more than 50,000 pounds so that's people are going to actually have to find m- that money if they're going to stay in their homes or make other arrangements they're going to have to rent you know try and sell the house and hope they can get 
uh, you know, a satisfactory sum of money. And do people know about this? The people that are involved, are they aware that th- th- well, this is, to use a, a common phrase, in a financial time bomb? Um, I think they are becoming aware, and also the lenders have been told to write to people and, indeed, ask them what their plans are for repayment. I mean, the, the, I've, I've had uh, people, you know, who have written to me and, and say they're, they're getting upset by this. They're saying, well, it's, no, it's, it's not the bank's business. I took this thing out. It's my, my business. I'm going to repay my loan. But actually, it is for your own good that you have a plan in place, whether it is to sell your house, because you're going to go and live with your granny in Scotland or something, that might be one plan, or that you're actually saving somewhere else. You know, maybe you've got an ISA, or, you know, maybe you own another property. Maybe you, you've got a holiday property somewhere, and you could sell that and use that to sell, to, to pay the debt on your home loan. But you really, if you've got one of these interest-only mortgages, you should be thinking about it. You should have a plan in place, whatever that is. Don't stick your head in the sand and think, oh, it'll all go away, because it's definitely not going to. It's going to be a problem. Do you think that, sorry, do you think that, that some people took these mortgages because they, they weren't looking 20, 25 years down the line and it was the cheaper option at Absolutely the time? they were. And I think that's particularly, the FSE, FCA has found this, it's particularly in the southeast. It's where uh, prices were rocketing up and people just actually couldn't afford to pay the capital repayment. So brokers or, or, the, or the lenders said, well, it's all right. Why don't you just do it on an interest-only basis? The other thing is that people who've got into difficulty since they took out, they may have taken out a capital repayment, which maybe they then lost their job, and the lenders have switched them on to interest-only to try and help them, to say, well, you could stay in your house if you just pay the interest, but they, they're going to have to find that capital payment at some point by some means, even if it means moving out of their house and selling it. Annie, I have to ask you, how come you have so much energy at five minutes to eight in the morning? I need what... I, what, what are you drinking over there? I need some. <laughs> oh, yes, it's the super vitamins, I think. Oh, I need <laughs> some... super vitamins. <laughs> Annie, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. You're very welcome. There we go. Annie Shaw, financial advisor from St Albans. I need some of that energy. <laughs> I'm flagging after yesterday's migraine. I'm flagging a bit. Thank you very much, Annie. I'd love to speak to you if you've got an interest-only mortgage. What were you thinking? Was it? Did you get it because of some of the reasons Annie said? Because you had a long-term plan that uh, you you were saving money elsewhere, or you were planning to sell it halfway through, or were you just thinking, "Well, I really we we do like this this four-bedroom house, but we couldn't afford it with a normal mortgage. So if we just get an interest-only mortgage, something will happen in the next twenty-five years, and now you're finding out you're what five, seven years away from having to come up with that money and. You haven't, nothing has happened. If you got an interest-free, sorry, an interest-only, an interest-free mortgage, oh, I'll sign up to that bad boy. If you've got an interest-only mortgage, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. Why did you get it? And are you getting a little bit worried now? Are you starting to think, we're going to have to do something, we're going to have to sell this? We're going to have to find some money from somewhere. 08459 455 555. And after the news, 8 o'clock, we'll have the fascinating story of a gentleman who is, uh, is married to his cousin. They've got five kids. They're all fine and normal. It seems to ignore the fact that, that, that there could have been potential genetic risks. Amazing statistics. Uh, between April 2009, March 2011, so two years, Genetic conditions linked to cousin marriages was a factor in 20 out of 98 infant deaths in Luton. A fifth of all infant deaths in Luton were because of cousin marriages. All from the British Pakistani families, many of the affected families had one or more previous infant deaths from the same conditions. A child had died because they were cousins 
they had another child that died. 08459 455 555. Is it ever right? Is it ever acceptable? Two questions. Is it acceptable for cousins to, to have children? I take it one step further. Is it ever right? Is it ever acceptable for cousins to marry? It's legal. Doesn't mean it's morally or ethically right, does it? 08459 455 555. Right. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Starting to look quite busy at the Black Cat Roundabout, the A1. Certainly from St Neots through to the Black Cat Roundabout is slow. And then slow down to Sandy as well. And then as you continue on to the A1M, that looks busy from Hitchin through to Stevenage. And of course, once you get down to London, the A1 is busy in the usual spot as you get down toward the end of the A1 and heading toward Brent Cross. Looking at the M25 and anti-clockwise, we've got delays from Maple Cross to the M4. It seems to be the slowest bit of the motorway right now. About 30 minutes to get between those two junctions. Clockwise looking slower than the average morning. We've got delays from Junction 22 at London Coney toward 24 at Potter's Bar heading into the roadworks section. Maybe taking 10-15 minutes to get through there. Kings Langley, A41 southbound is queuing toward the M25. Similarly, A10 through Chesant could take you about 20 minutes to get from the Great Cambridge Road down to the M25 at Junction 25. The North Orbital Road looking busy as well on the southbound side between the Park Street roundabout and the M25. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. I was reading some of your Facebook comments and uh, that's why I was a little bit late playing that bed. Someone has very kindly said, Caroline, what's happened to you, Ian? You look about 12, thank you. Then Michael says, oh, look, Spock is. Yeah... Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's eight o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Luton baby deaths outstrip national average. Three and a half years for Lister Hospital Conman and decision day for Stadium MK. BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest one in five baby deaths in Luton is a result of genetic defects arising from marriage between cousins. According to the Borough Council, the area's infant mortality rate is above the national average. They're meeting to discuss the implications tonight. Zafar Khan chairs the Luton Council of Faiths and has been married to his first cousin for 36 years he says it's a question of culture it's not disgusting at all because uh, this is this is quite common it's uh, it's, uh, it's part of the uh, traditions and uh, you know social customs uh, evolve over centuries and uh, so perhaps um, you know whatever change takes place takes place slowly a jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of a teenager who was deliberately knocked off his bike. 22-year-old Kyle Beckford denies the murder of Delaney Brown in September last year, as Simon Oxley reports. The jury was told Beckford was in the Marsh Farm Gang, whilst the victim was in the Lucy Farm Gang. Videos for both were posted on YouTube, and there were a number of violent incidents in the weeks and months leading up to Delaney's death. His grandmother's home where he lived was attacked. On another occasion, machetes were drawn and the police were involved. The court heard a meeting was held in a McDonald's restaurant involving members of both gangs and their parents and families in an attempt to calm the situation. The case continues. 
The Coronation Street actor Bill Roach is expected to make a statement this morning after being charged with two counts of raping a 15-year-old girl. It's alleged the attacks took place in the 1960s. ITV says Mr Roach will not appear in the soap until the legal proceedings are concluded. A 41-year-old man has been jailed for three and a half years for his involvement in a series of thefts from hospitals, including the Lister in Stevenage. Lee Agnew has the details. The court heard how in June last year, Adrian Garrick from Coventry stole a staff member's wallet before calling and tricking him into disclosing his bank details. He then withdrew £3,800 from his account. It was found that Garrick had committed 30 similar offences across the country over a three-year period. The new city regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, has warned that hundreds of thousands of people with interest-only mortgages will struggle to pay them off. It believes more than a million borrowers are failing to set aside enough money to clear their loans and are likely to face shortfalls of tens of thousands of pounds. Voting is taking place today in the latest elections for Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire County Councils. Polling stations are open until 10 o'clock tonight. In sport, organisers of the 2015 Rugby Union World Cup will reveal whether Stadium MK will be a host venue later this morning. 13 grounds will be chosen from a shortlist of 19. Coventry and Leicester are Milton Keynes' closest rivals. The weather dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Oh, sorry, I had the microphone open for that. What do you feel about censorship, Kath? What do I feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of closing the Facebook page. Oh, really? Yeah, the Three Counties Facebook page. I'm thinking of closing it. Why don't you just stop saying stuff that aggravates people? Well, I've not even said anything and people are <laughs> aggravated. There's a picture of my delightful new haircut done by the same gentleman that does Dermot O'Leary's hair. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, OK, here are some of the comments. Caroline's nice. Uh, what's happened to you, Ian? You look about 12 in the picture. Thank you very much indeed. I'm 40 next month. <laughs> um, then Michael says, oh, Spock is... Well, I think that's just rude. Yeah. Lorraine says, I think Ian is morphing into Tim. Ah. <laughs> And then Stephen says, Jedward's missing brother. Oh. I must buy a pineapple today. I don't know why I thought of that. Youch. Can we, can we, I don't know what the rules are, but can I get that Facebook page closed down? You kind of opened yourself to this, though, unfortunately. You stick a picture up there, people will talk. Mm. Blooming internet. Blooming people. Blooming listeners. If you want to go and uh, bully me online... A little bit of cyberbullying. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Got some cracking stuff between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including a fifth of infant deaths. This statistic is amazing. A fifth of infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The Borough Council says they want to do something about it. Well, what can they do, really? We'll be hearing from the chair of the Luton Council of Faiths about why he married his cousin. Do you think cousins should be allowed to have children together? And I'd go a step further. Do you think cousins should be allowed to marry? 08459 455 555. We've been hearing all morning how criminals are conning hospital staff in Hertfordshire into handing over their bank details. They're going into hospitals to steal people's purses and then using that information as part of a bigger scam. How did something similar happen to you? And more than a million people with interest-only mortgages may be unable to repay them. Were you advised to get an interest-only mortgage? Why? They tried to sell one to me years ago, and fairly recently actually as well, and I, w- I walked out of there scratching my head saying, I-, I can't understand where the benefit is in this is. You've still got to pay the money back. 
facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. That seems to be where most of the cyberbullying's happening happening this morning. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. One-fifth of the infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. The statistic published by Luton Borough Council also shows the number of children who die in infancy in Luton is 60% higher than the national average. Well, this evening, the council is holding a public meeting to discuss the issue. Zafar Khan from Luton has been married to his first cousin for 36 years. He spoke to our reporter, Justin Daly. We have five children, um, ranging from the age of 30, almost 35, to uh, 21 next month. And they're all healthy children? Yes, indeed, yes. I mean, there could be people saying that this is disgusting uh, and this shouldn't be happening. Is this still happening as commonly now as what it did when you married your first cousin? Well, I mean, I, I think um, it's, it's, it's not disgusting at all because uh, this, is, this, is, this is quite common. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's part of the... Uh, traditions and uh, I think um, you know social customs uh, evolve over centuries and uh, so perhaps um, you know whatever change takes place takes place slowly and would you have felt guilty if your baby had suffered long-term damage because you'd had a baby with your cousin would you have felt guilty or would you say well it's our culture that's what we believe in and these things happen right. uh, a parent who has a, a child with some kind of defi- deformity or disability is always uh, very sad you know if you if you as a parent uh, and many parents uh, in society not just in muslim or asian society but in all societies have children with disability and it it, it must be heartbreak breaking to have a child with disability so i mean I, I would look at it that way if you have a disabled child do you feel guilty i don't think so a child yeah, but then again if i have a, a baby with my fiance there's no risk associated with that compared to marrying my cousin uh perhaps perhaps not do you think things will now change if more education, more information is out there about the harm that could be caused to your baby. Do you think things no. will change now? No, people are more conscious because we are we are changing, society is changing, we are becoming more aware of uh, medical science and wherever people do have tests and so on and wherever it's appropriate, people refrain from marrying uh, in the close uh, kin. Um, uh, but it will take time, I think. Is it cruel then if... A married couple who are cousins decide to have a child knowing that their child could die or be deformed. Is that cruel? It's not a question of uh, um, parents being cruel. It's a question of whether parents are aware uh, of the risks. Any parents could be uh, potentially having a child with with deform- deformity, not That's not true. necessarily not necessarily uh, cousins. But of course, there are risks involved with uh, marrying in the close uh, kin group. And I think uh, uh, people are becoming more and more aware of that. Okay, sorry to push you on this answer. No, 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 it, no. It's a yes or no. Do you think if people have a baby together, if they're marrying their cousin and they have a baby together, that they know the risks, yet well, they continue they, to have that baby? Is that cruel? No, yes if or they no? knew the risk, they should not. Uh, a marriage uh, of people who would potentially have a child of that uh, 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 kind uh, should not actually enter into marriage. 
if they if they know that there is a potential of having a child who would be born with some uh, deformities or disabilities. Well, Dr. Nazreen Ali is a senior research fellow in public health at the Institute for Health Research at the University of Bedfordshire. Uh, good morning, Doctor. Hi there. Doctor, you've carried out a, a study into cousin marriage. Are people aware of the potential risks? Um, yes, we, we carried out a study looking at attitudes and beliefs of the Pakistani Kashmiri community, and we did this research specifically in Sparkbrook, Birmingham, which has a sort of a, a similar um, community as Luton. And we found, yes, that they are aware of stillbirth and genetic conditions, but there's a poor understanding of hereditary risk. Um, and interestingly, there was a reluctance to accept the link between cousin marriage and birth, you know, explanations. Um, and where there was any reluctance um, to, un- you know, to accept these explanations, it was having a child with a deformity or abnormality was really attributed to the will of God. Um, women tended to argue that, you know, they would have screening for genetic conditions, but they wouldn't terminate pregnancies because this was actually very contradictory to the Islamic principles of predestiny. Um, Interestingly, there was sort of a lot of discussion about the negative emphasis on cousin marriage currently and, um, you know, genetic, associated genetic risk. And they felt that discussions around cousin marriage you know, was a stigma was stigmatizing this really important cultural practice, and you know, therefore the community they wanted more information on how cousin marriage was linked to disabilities. I mean, like uh, um, your your earlier speaker, um, you know, Zafar Khan said, mm. they did want more information on on what the link between cousin marriage and disability was. But would they believe that information? Have they got it? Or as you say, would they, would they believe it was, was the will of God? It's, it's, it's science versus faith, isn't it? Well, it's, it's about sort of giving people information, ensuring that they understand that information, and then they can use that information to make informed choices. Um, I think that's the key. So if you give communities, regardless of their ethnicity, information, um, they will be able to make informed choices based on that information. Luton Borough Council uh, is um, offering uh, genetic screening and is going to increase their offering of genetic screening, I think. Will the, the members of the Pakistani community act on those findings then? Is there any point think, in Luton Borough Council trying to encourage this? Well, it, the important thing is we've got to understand that the practice of cousin marriage is changing because the patterns of marriage are changing. The patterns of marriage are changing because although cousin marriage is still valued by the younger generation for, you know, the respect, financial and emotional support, they, you know, it's changing because their marriage preferences are changing, you know, in in sort of line with the desire to sort of, you know, make sure that you share the the common language with your partner, common education, so, you know, general background. So I think we have to sort of factor those situations in. In addition, yeah, I mean, I think that if you inform the community, if you, you know, offer a service and the service is culturally sensitive, Mm. it doesn't stigmatise the practice, you know, I'm sure that, you know, it, it would be a positive intervention and lead to good practice. We have evidence from other parts of the UK with high Kashmiri Pakistani populations practicing, practicing consanguinity where they, there have been sort of very, you know, um, good 
well-designed interventions um, that are making, you know, having sort of um, the effect of informing people and allowing them to make, you know, relevant choices. We're actually engaged with, we're going to try and engage the uh, local community um, to ask them about um, awareness of consanguinity risk and their views on interventions related to cousin marriage. You know, what are the barriers and facilitators towards sort of accessing services currently? And, you know, what what they feel about, you know, the addition of, you know, very targeted specific services. Can, can I read uh, you, we're running out of time, can I read you a couple of uh, uh, emails and texts we've had, Doctor? Uh, uh, yeah. Maff in Hanslope says, in modern times, the wedding of a cousin should be illegal, as we no longer live in small, remote communities. Even the royal family have stopped it. And Sue on the email says, cousin marriage was banned by the Catholic Church in medieval times because of the close relationship and poor infant mortality. You had to get a, a dispensation of consanguinity of the Pope. I don't know what that means. Uh, if they knew back then it caused genetic mutations, it stands to reason that we should ban it now by law in this country for all people it may save a few lives well we haven't banned smoking we've encouraged people to stop smoking but we've given them the information why should this be treated any differently we've allowed individuals to have the choice the statistics though here in, in luton two years over two years 2009 to 2011 a fifth of all infant deaths were caused by cousin marriages. And many of okay. the affected families had, yeah. had one or more previous infant deaths from the same conditions. We should ban that, uh, shouldn't we? Well, no, because we have to factor in the fact that this is a... You know, that statistic, actually, what's underlying it is, is quite complex. You know, you, you can't, you know... A fifth uh, of you, children you, are dying well, because of genetic defects okay. due to cousin marriages. We should ban that. <laughs> no, not necessarily, because it's a complex interplay wow. between physiology, deprivation, behaviour and cultural factors so we cannot just you know you would not a statistic you, to cultural factors no i wouldn't ban it it's, well, i'm not saying cultural i'm saying to cousin <laughs> marriages that, that that by coincidence it happens that these are all from british pakistani families so so well, 20 I'm using, deaths i'm using i'm using consanguinity cousin right. marriage yep. as a metaphor for a cultural practice in okay this context. so 20 yeah. 20 deaths sometimes from families where they've had more than one death that's acceptable I think, I think we, I mean, have we banned smoking? Is that, a, is that acceptable? Um, we, we need to put in interventions. Is that, that acceptable? Will support people. We should put in interventions that should support people to be able okay. to make... I'm going to ask you one more time. Simple yes or no answer. Simple yes or no answer. <laughs> 20 deaths of children over two years that could have been prevented, often within families where they've had other children die. Is that acceptable, yes or no? We need to put in... A yes or no, Dr Nazreen Ali, a yes or no answer, is that acceptable? I think it's um, a really complex situation. Okay, we're going to end it there. If if you're going to sit on the fence, we're going to end it there. I don't think it is acceptable. I don't think 20 deaths over two years of kiddies, when it could be prevented, is acceptable. Right, a little bit later than usual, 8.17. Here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple of patches of slow-moving traffic on the A41. Eastbound and Aylesbury, it's looking slow between the SO roundabout and the Woodlands roundabout. And as you head down toward the M25, it gets busy through Kings Langley as well. The A5 into Dunstable... That's looking slow from the A505 at the West Street traffic lights. The A5 through Whipsnade's looking busy as well. Lynch Hill to the M1 at Junction 9. 
A10 slow through Chesant with delays that start at the Great Cambridge Road and continue down to the M25 at Junction 25, taking maybe 20 minutes to get through the traffic there. Clockwise M25 you'll find slow into the roadworks. London Coney at Junction 22 to Potter's Bar at Junction 24. Anti-clockwise slow from Maple Cross to the M4. That stretch taking about half an hour to navigate at present. A1 into London, busy from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. As for the trains, we've got no major problems or delays reported at present. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, 8.18, it's uh, Thursday the 2nd of May, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest one in five baby deaths in Luton is the result of genetic defects arising from marriage between cousins. A jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of Delaney Brown, who was deliberately knocked off his bike last September. In sport, organisers of the 2015 Rugby Union World Cup will reveal whether Stadium NK will be a host venue later this morning. The weather today embeds hearts and bucks dry and bright with a top temperature of 15 degrees. And dear listener, I have a surprise for you. Just say a brief hello. Oh, hello. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, some of you will be dancing in the streets, some of you will be turning your radios off <laughs> and watching uh, Cash in the Attic and Homes Under the Hammer. Don't. No. Don't. They won't. No, I t- I've, I've had three days of that. <laughs> no what, no wonder people listen to my show. That's all I can say. Daytime TV's rubbish. Will you? Have you learnt a few tips from the master, Mr Jeremy Kyle? Will you be telling no, people I've to shut watched, up? I've not watched that. I didn't. I find that very depressing yeah. to see all those ghastly people. I've got to be honest. Yes. I wasn't expecting anything from Tim at all. I was no, really... He's, he was good. He's very good. He was good. He's learnt from the best, you see. Yes, I know. Well, I, I, I've been giving him some tips when I get the chance. <laughs> and he really is... When I say good, I mean... <laughs> maybe you want to take the rest of the week off good. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we'll make sure we, uh, we get him standing here for you next time you're off. No, with I, one of your migraines. Oh, I... <laughs> I had Dealey yesterday. Dealey's too good as well. Yes, he's very good. We get, always get a lot of emails congratulating him. Well, Facebook is all up Dealey's backside. Oh, can we get Dealey back in? Oh, Dealey was really good. Really? Yeah. Oh, you mustn't take it personally. Well, what, when they're saying I'm not very good and Dealey's better than me, how can <laughs> I not take that? They don't mean it. They know not what they say. It's nice to have you back. You're looking very, very smart. Lovely well, shirt. I have. I was just telling everyone upstairs, yes. as is my want, yes. that I have, I've got a very smart check shirt on. Yeah. And it, it and absolutely matches the lining of my trousers. Really? Um, obviously, you can only tell this when you have to remove my trousers. So if ever there was a day I was going to be run over, let today be the day. Ooh, go in, dancing in the main streets. In A&E, as they surgically remove my trousers, they'll appreciate the lining. They'll say, this man had a touch of class, didn't he? Have you got good pants on? 
Uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, there we go. Fantastic. Yeah. What's coming up on your show this morning? Because that's what you're here to plug. It's quite true. Yes. It's what I'm here to plug. By the way, I like your haircut. Thank you, Jonathan. You're one of the nice people in the office. Beautiful. God bless you. Uh, coming up at nine, should people charged with sex crimes be given anonymity? Uh, the independent newspaper has carried out a poll that's found three in four people believe those accused of sexual assaults should be granted anonymity. And it's a very topical survey. Today, the papers are full of news about the actor who plays Ken Barlow in Coronation Street. The BBC's reporting that he's due to be charged with two counts of raping a 15-year-old girl in the 1960s. Well, obviously from nine, we're not going to be talking about specific cases for legal reasons, but I want to talk about the long-held practice of naming those charged with sex crimes. Moira McGowan, chairman of the Bar Council, recently argued that suspects in sex cases should enjoy the same right of anonymity as defendants. What do you think? From nine, should people charged with sex crimes be given anonymity? Call me 08459 455 555. We'll discuss it this morning on the big phone in at nine. What cufflinks have you got on? Oh, they're uh, hot and cold taps. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny about that? I thought it was like the spinner from a roulette wheel. Look, if you look at them, they've got hot. That's hot. Hot, yes. And then that one's got cold. You've got me. You bought me some raunchy uh, cufflinks, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, lovely. Have you ever worn them? No, they're in the bin. <laughs> that day, they went in the bin. But thanks. Those ones as well. How oh, hurtful. Probably. Well, you know, that's what you, you should deserve. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to take part in today's show, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or give me a call 08459 555. Hospital staff in Hertfordshire have been targeted by criminals who've conned them into handing over their bank details. Thieves have been stealing their wallets, then phoning their victims, pretending to be from their banks. This week, 41-year-old Adrian Garrick from Coventry has been jailed for withdrawing nearly £4,000 from the account of a worker at the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. It was also revealed he committed 30 similar offences across the country over a three-year period. Earlier on, I spoke to Susan, not her real name, who works at a hospital in the three counties and was the victim of a similar scam. The first I knew about it, I got a phone call um, through to the desk where I work someone posing as my bank telling me that my account um, was trying to be used in the Oxfordshire area and someone was trying to withdraw £2,000 and that was the first that was the first I, I knew about it and did it all sound right did they sound did you, did you kind of think oh this is my bank on the phone yeah okay no I, I didn't because I wasn't aware the first alarm bells that rung were that I wasn't aware that work had or the bank had my work details right um i thought they only had my home number and my um, mobile number so that was the first thing that rang yeah. alarm bells the second thing was i'd only just been to lunch about half an hour previous and I had my purse with all my cards in it yeah. so um no it did ring alarm bells well that was uh, susan speaking to me earlier on in the show De- joined now by detective constable emma landucci who investigated the thefts when hertfordshire police led the investigation good morning emma good morning Ian. what happened in this case involving adrian garrick um well initially we had the report um at the lister hospital of this theft from a doctor um which i started looking into um and it was quickly apparent that this was the work of a, a national fraud gang 
uh, known as the Coventry Falcons. Um, we did have some suspects who were part of this gang, um, and I managed to collate a lot of CCTV around the card usages for the, this particular doctor. And um, from that point on, we were, we were able to at least have some suspects in mind, which I could then work on. And how long... It, it sounds very involved, Emma. I know from personal experience that collecting um, uh, CCTV footage from, from, from bank machines and from different places, it takes a long time. How long did this, did this um, the, the operation last? Um, I, I would say I've been working fairly consistently on it for about nine months. Wow. Um, but that does include, obviously, all the additional nationwide offences. It does strike me as in- incredible that, uh, that, that, that hospitals would be targeted. I mean, this is what scammers do, don't they? They target vulnerable people. But why were hospitals being targeted in particular? Um, I mean, in my opinion, the, the hospitals were being targeted because they're very busy pa- places. Um, a lot, there's a lot of access where people, other members of staff might not know staff on other wards or other departments. Um, or they might assume that somebody's a visitor to the hospital. Um, And this gang were very professional. They always wore very smart clothing, appeared to work at the hospital, sometimes had lanyards around their neck or a mobile phone to their ear or carried a file. Um, So they were able to go relatively unnoticed. Um, And hospital staff, um, especially the doctors, they knew would tend to be uh, a higher paid salary. What can people do, either as a hospital staff worker or, or just general public, in order to prevent this from happening to them? Um, the steps I would, I would recommend would be, firstly, never ever give out your PIN number over the telephone. Your bank would never ever ask for it over the telephone. Um, also, it would be highly unusual for your bank to ring you via hospital switchboard. Um, and if you have any doubts at all, obtain a number from the person that's calling you. Um, and nine times out of ten, then they'll get cold feet and, and won't provide you with the number and hang up. The, the, these, um, not necessarily going into hospitals and stealing things, but the, these kind of phone-based scams are becoming more prevalent. We mentioned it on the show a few weeks ago. It's happened to my mother-in-law in the last couple of weeks. If people get a phone call at home and they say, you have to act now, £2,000 is being taken from your bank account, quick, give us your details, certain people, I, I guess um, older people, are more likely to panic, aren't they? And more likely to, to, to give them those details. Yes, um, uh, these people are very professional and they do come across as extremely convincing. But again, I would just um, um, say that if there are any doubts at all, ask the person for a number, um, ask them for, for a central um, um, switchboard number that they can ring back and, and ask to speak to that person by name. Um, and generally then you'll find out, yes, it's part of a scam, but never, ever hand over bank details over the phone. And also, if possible, as well, call from a separate phone because they have this handy trick of of keeping the line busy sometimes, don't they? Yes, that's true as well, yes. Uh, Emma, thank you so much, and thank you for the the hard work you put into this and, and seeing it through to its conclusion. Thanks, Ian. Excellent stuff. Detective Constable Emma Landucci. Nine months working on that case with positive results. You see... The police do get a bad name sometimes, and then you speak to someone like that who's done a cracking job, very humble, caught a very naughty person, part of a gang, sent them to prison. Superb, excellent stuff. 08459 455555. Travel news now, Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
just keeping an eye on the A6. Speed sensors suggesting it's slowing a little bit as you come from Clop Hill down toward Barton Le Clay, and in fact going the other way, both ways along that stretch, looking a bit busy at present. Uh, from Hitchin through to Stevenage on the A602 is slow, and between Junction 9 and 8 of the A1M you might find a little bit of traffic at the minute. A10 southbound delays from the Great Cambridge Road through to the M25 at Enfield, so that's mainly through Chesant, about 20 minutes to get through there at present. Aylesbury, the A41 is slow from the SO roundabout to the Woodlands roundabout, and then again southbound through Kings Langley and down toward the M25. London bound M40 is slowing up from Stoke and Church at Junction 5 to High Wycombe at Junction 4. As you come right in towards London, it's not looking too bad at present, but it all slows down if you're using the A40 as your route into London. In Watford, the A412 is pretty heavy just after the Town Hall roundabout, mainly on the westbound side. M25 delays clockwise, we've got them from London Coney to Potters Bar Junction 22 to 24, anti-clockwise from Maple Cross to the M4, taking about half an hour around there. And on the trains, things still running nicely. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 8.30, let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. New figures suggest one in five baby deaths in Luton is the result of genetic defects arising from marriage between cousins. A jury at Luton Crown Court's been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of Delaney Brown, who was killed when he was deliberately knocked off his bike last September. The Coronation Street actor Bill Roach is expected to make a statement this morning after being charged with two counts of raping a 15-year-old girl during the 1960s. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sport. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stadium MK will find out later this morning if it's a venue for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. 13 from 19 venues on the shortlist will be hosting games during the tournament and Milton Keynes' main rivals for a place are Coventry and Leicester. Bayern Munich will play Borussia Dortmund in the first ever All-German Champions League final later this month after beating Barcelona 3-0 at the Nou Camp in their semi-final second leg to record a 7-0 aggregate victory. Chelsea, meanwhile, will look to book their place in Europa League final tonight. Night. They take a 2-1 lead into the second leg of their semi-final against Swissside Basel at Stamford Bridge. And despite that advantage, the Chelsea interim manager, Rafa Benitez, isn't taking anything for granted. My concern is that uh, we will be thinking that we are in the final. Uh, it's not the case. We'll play against a very good team, a team that has uh, scored goals away. So everybody has to realise that it will be tough, will be difficult, and hopefully I will be wrong. And we can do a great game and score a lot of goals. But first of all, we have to, to win. The defending world snooker champion Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't be returning to the Crucible even if he wins a fifth title. Speaking after his 13-4 quarter-final win over Stuart Bingham, O'Sullivan revealed he's not enjoying his return and that he only ended his exile from the sport to fund his children's private education. He feels it's time to move on. I think it's about time I look for something else, but you never know, I might plan a few PTC events. And you never know with the way the game's changing all the time. Barry Hearn's always changing formats, seedings, this and that. So it might suit me to plan the odd little event. But as far as um, putting my life into it, it's, it's not going to work for me. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. I've had enough. What's the matter? <clears throat> the internet. Right. It's getting on my nerves. <laughs> right. Stephen Boothby. Right, so I mentioned to um, uh, uh, Adam, who does the travel, yeah. that uh, he's a sniffer. Right? He's constantly sniffing. And he says, oh, I don't like, I can't, can't keep blowing my nose into my tissue. So get a handkerchief. Right? It's what gentlemen do. They have handkerchiefs. I have several handkerchiefs. I prefer the white plain ones, but at the moment I'm carrying a navy blue one. I'm Fine. married to a hanky man. I think it sets, them, it sets apart the men from the boys. I say, think it's sexy. That's weird. But it does. <laughs> it does. It sets apart the men from the boys. Yeah. Right? Stephen Boothby on Facebook. That's minging, carrying a clock. Minging? 
What is, that's minging carrying a cloth covered in snot, Mr Lee. Use a tissue, then wash your hands. I remember, listen, I remember back in the 70s, my mum would put a tissue up her shirt sleeve. Yes. Do you remember that? She put it up her shirt sleeve. I, I do that, that's part of the mum code. Oh, it's horrible. And then you lick it and wipe the face with it. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far, that's disgusting. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I do remember that. I, my mum, is this, do mums still do this now? They can't do it in the 21st century. It's got to be a 70s and 80s thing. Would have the tissue shoved up um, her shirt sleeve or her jumper sleeve. And it would be the same tissue, Kath's right there, it's the same tissue that she would blow um, her nose with and then at some point later in the day lick it and wipe a bit of dirt off my face. Unbelievable. Lots coming up between uh, now and JVS at nine o'clock, including is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? It follows another shooting in Luton this week. It's the 12th gun-related crime in the town this year. Well, I'll be speaking to a professor of criminology to find out what he thinks. Uh, And cousins, should they be allowed to marry? A a huge number of uh, infant deaths in Luton have been caused by cousins marrying. I'll be honest... I think it's wrong. 08459 555. Facebook.com, while that page is still there. Gonna see if I can get it closed down later on in the day. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Is enough being done to get illegal guns off the streets? Follows another shooting in Luton this week. It's the 12th gun-related crime in the town this year. And while it's always a pleasure to go to Justin, Justin, I'm bored of handing over to you to talk about another gun story in Luton. Absolutely incredible. As you mentioned, it's the 12th one this year. People are concerned in the town. I've spent the morning in talking to teenagers in Luton. I've been asking them whether enough is being done to, to take these guns off the streets. Some very revealing stories coming up here. This is what people had to say. You're 19 years old. Do you think enough is being done here in Luton to to get these guns off the streets? Uh, I think there's no real response to gun crime or knife crime or any sort of gang violence. Do you hear more about what hasn't been done than what has been done? And you haven't, thankfully, Uh, gone involved in these gangs, but what about other people that you went to school with? Uh, yeah, a few people. Um, my year, uh, years below, they've got involved in some of serious crime, other than serious. People I've been to school have been killed or killed people. So. How concerning is that for you growing up here in Luton when you know these things are happening? Uh, well, I wouldn't want to bring my kids up here, no way. I'm not worried for myself, really, because it's sort of past that phase. I'm less impressionable now, but, but my children or my friends, younger brothers and sisters, that is a bit worrying for them. So you're worried, and you said about this age of around 16. Yeah. You didn't, but you're worried for, for them if they get in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. They could unfortunately join these gangs where they will be given a knife or a gun. Yes, I do think that, yeah. At that age, are quite impressionable. Somebody with me now who's a teenager, do you think enough is being done to take illegal guns off the street here in your town? No, not really. It's mainly because now there's less police on the street. You've got more of the gangs going out, thinking they can do stuff and then get away with it. It's just not enough, so there needs to be more police on the street. Uh, more warnings in place, just things like that. You've had the chance to, to join these gangs, but, but you haven't gone into them. Can you tell us why? Well, it's just because I know the consequences, I know that people are going to get hurt. I just don't like doing that kind of stuff, and at the end of the day, I don't want to mess my life up to uh, go and join a gang. It's just not worth it. So you know for an absolute fact that there are people in Luton right now in these gangs who are carrying knives. You know that for a yes, fact. Yes, defi- there definitely is people in Luton who are carrying knives and guns. Have you seen the guns yourself? I haven't seen seen the guns i've seen people with knives but i haven't seen people with guns so had you have joined one of these gangs then would you have been given a gun uh, most probably or a knife 
and you would have been told what to do with it. Just everything like that that you need to know. Can this really be tackled now? Has it gone too far? Has the problem become too big in Luton? I think it might have done. There's so many people now on the streets with guns and knives. It's just so silly because if they would have taken earlier measures, then maybe less knives and stuff would have been put on the street. I have a 19-year-old with me right now. <laughs> do you think that enough is being done to, to get these guns off the streets here in your hometown of Luton? No, I don't think enough's been done because... I don't know, like, something needs to be done to stop it. I mean, do you know people that have gone involved in these gangs? Not personally, but friends of friends and stuff like that. I don't want to raise my children when I do get of, of age, so, in this kind of, like, environment, so... So, when you have children, you'd actually mm. take yourselves and your children and you move them out of loose. Yeah, definitely. And, Justin, we have to be careful. I, 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 I don't want this to be one of those panic broadcasts. There are guns everywhere in the yeah. three counties. Luton is a, a death trap. None of that. It, you know, it's still p- pretty much safe to walk the streets and, and no one should be overly concerned. But, 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 mm. 12 incidents... It, it, since the beginning of this year. We've done it every week. Absolutely. I mean, you talk to Bedfordshire Police, uh, they would say that, that Luton is a, certainly a safe town. But, of course, when you go and speak to people, it's quite interesting this morning speaking to teenagers, they've all got a story to tell, haven't they? You know, one person there who knows somebody that he went to school with, uh, that person was sadly killed because they got involved in a gang. Another person who got offered the chance to join a gang. And, again, this argument which keeps on cropping up, the lady at the end there saying that, that when she does have children, she is going to move out of Luton. So, uh, as much as Bedfordshire Police say Luton is a safe place to be, and if anything, uh, these crimes are being blown out of proportion, um, a lot of people still are, are very, very concerned about what is happening in Luton. And it, it's, it's odd, isn't it? I've, I've, I, I, growing up, there was never talk of guns when I was a youngster. I, I saw a few knives, and I saw yeah. uh, 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 I was I was in a situation where a knife got whipped out and someone got slashed when I was, I don't know, 15, 16. Uh, but there was never, ever talk of guns. Unfortunately, I think it's just a sign of the times. I think if you speak to a number of people who could have got involved in these gangs, they will say the same thing to you. By having a gun, it's almost like a status symbol to them. It's all about being macho. Um, when I was younger again, you could always get involved in in the wrong crowd, certainly. But, but hopefully, the, the people that we've spoken to this morning have steered clear of that because they want to have a, a much better future for them and their family. Listen, if, if, listen, kids, if you want to be macho, go and look at Justin Dealey, all right? <laughs> go and look at him with his um, snoods and his yep. jumpers and his, his shirts undone to his navel. Exactly. That go is macho personified. Yeah. If you want a photograph, let me know. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Naughty scammers. It's been a rise in uh, scams on hospital staff. These naughty people go in. Nick their purses or their wallets, get their, their phone and bank details, phone them up, say, oh, we're your bank, we're your bank, we, we need your PIN number now. About We spoke to an expert earlier on, about 50% of the hospital staff, nurses, doctors, would give the details. Well, what is security like in hospitals? Marlene's in Dunstable. Good morning, Marlene. Hi. You've got a story about hospital security, have yes, you? Yes, I was, I was in hospital about four weeks ago and I had to be kept in for 12 hours for observation and I was put in a four-bedded room. There were sort of curtains, obviously, between the four cubicles. And um, they wheeled this lady into the cubicle next door, and a really rowdy crowd came over there, about six or seven traps. And the nurse poked her head round the curtain to me and uh, my daughter-in-law and was mouthing something. We're going, what? And she said, put your handbags the other side of your bed. Really? Yeah. 
was horrified. And, uh, <laughs> Isn't that sad? Because I say, I, well, I say I went to visit my cousin, who was in an isolated room. He had to, to gown up and put a mask on and disinfect and everything before we went in to see him. Yeah. And I left my bag outside, and the nurse came and said, oh, don't leave it there. I said, oh, sorry, is it in your way? She went, no, 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 someone will nick it. Yeah. But what? In a hospital, on a really serious ward. She went, oh, yeah, someone might have it. It's well, sad, isn't it? We'd left ours on, you know, my daughter-in-law got hers on the floor, and mine was on the floor by her, but that side by their cubicle, and she went, move on the other side. Well, is everything all right now, Marlene? Yes, fine, thank you. Do you, yeah. you know when you know when that thing? I, I, I had this when when you go in for hospital. It's a hospital, right? And and they they treat you and stuff. And they say, yeah, we we want you to stay for another six, twelve hours for observation. Yeah. Don't you just think? Oh, come on. I, yeah. let, just let me go now. Come on, please. I, I was terrified. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Did, what did you think? What you didn't think that was it? Did you? I did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was a suspected heart attack. I mean, it turned out not to be. But, Bit of indigestion? Uh, yeah, but no, no <laughs> they haven't found out what it oh, was. Oh, really? Oh, Marlene. Yeah, yeah. Marlene, <laughs> listen, take care of yourself. I'm glad everything's feeling better. Now, back to this story we're talking about. One-fifth of the infant deaths in Luton are caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Just give me some of these stats again. Not too many numbers, don't worry. Between 2009 and 2011... Genetic conditions linked to cousin marriages was a factor in 20 out of 98 infant deaths in Luton. A fifth. Mohammed's from Luton. Good morning, Mohammed. Good morning, Ian. D- 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 what do you feel about cousins marrying and having children together? Well, I think it's uh, wrong. And um, if uh, people follow the advice of, uh, like, especially this is a Muslim community, so if they follow the advice of... Uh, um, Islam or the recommendations of Islam, they they shouldn't marry and cousins each other because Islam discourages uh, cousin marriages. And where, where is it discouraged? Is it in the Quran that it that it's mentioned specifically? Um, I, I don't think it's in Quran, but uh, after that, uh, in uh, in Hadith, um, you know the the sayings of, yeah. of the Prophet and um, and his followers. So it, it, it's, it's recommended not to, to, to... And if you go back hundreds of years, the same in this country, if you go back hundreds of years, you can kind of understand why. A lot of it's to do with business. A lot of it's to do with people living in small villages and, and, and not travelling too far. But in, in the 21st century, in modern, yeah. the modern world, I mean, I've been to Pakistan and pa- people travel all over the place in Pakistan. And, and in England and Britain, you would think this practice would kind of have, have disappeared. Yeah. And... Um... I, I can I can tell you, and there's the, the philosophy behind discouraging this as well, because um, and the, the, the great uh, philosopher of Islam, like Imam Ghazali, has said, why is it discouraged? And he, he has said that uh, when uh, when cousins marry, if especially if they don't like each other, and when they marry, um, they do not have a, a strong sexual appetite for each other. That's why they have uh, the, 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 the babies which are born and they have uh, problems. Do you know anybody who's, who's married their cousin, Mohammed? L- loads. L- loads? Loads? Yeah. Uh, and especially if, if the, those who like each other uh, or they, um, uh, they, and they, they, were not, they didn't have forced marriage or no. they, they, they all had uh, good kids. And, um, well, that's, that's luck, surely, though, more, more than anything. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, my my brother is married to uh, first cousin, and they had they have five kids, and they are all healthy. And um, but are you so, are you aware that that's down to 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 luck, Mohammed, or are you saying that that's because they love each other? 
I would say if if, if they if they like each other, they, they'll, they'll have, have good children. Kids. They like good goods. Can I flag up something very quickly because we haven't got much time? <clears throat> uh-huh. uh, do, do you not think what you've just said is possibly part of the problem? Because uh, you seem to be saying that if if the, the the cousins like each other, they'll have good children. If they don't like each other, they'll have children who who, who don't die, who don't live uh, or are, are deformed. Yeah. Coming from a science point of view, that's not the case, Mohammed. That's purely luck. Whether they've had good or bad children, it's a genetic thing. Well. Genetic thing, that's, that's because genetic thing is the result of something, isn't it? Well, genetic is science, and, and what you're yeah. suggesting is, is, is faith. Yeah, it's, it's not faith, but if, if they like each other... Um, uh, They'll have good children. OK, well, there we go. That's Mohammed uh, there from Luton. I think illustrating slight, part of the problem... I don't want to be too rude to to uh, Mohammed, but I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? There, exactly in that phone call, he he seems to believe that the, the cousins marrying it's not appropriate. But if they do and they don't like each other, their kids will die or they'll be deformed. But if they if they like each other, they'll have good kids. I, I, I literally don't know what to say to that. But thank you for the call, Mohammed. It's appreciated. Right, travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The anti-clockwise M25 queues sort of moved back a little bit. It's busiest now from Chorleywood at Junction 18 to the M40 at Junction 16. And once you get past there, it does move a little bit more freely. Clockwise still slow from London Coney at 22 to Potters Bar at 24, though, taking maybe 10-15 minutes to get through. London-bound M40 is heavy from Stoke and Church at Junction 5 to High Wycombe at 4. And the A404 is looking slow into High Wycombe along Marlow Hill. Aylesbury, you've got traffic building on the A41. Busy, but it is moving between the Oxford Road roundabout and the A413 at the Walton Street roundabout. And then if the A41's your route down toward the M25, expect queues as you come down toward Junction 20. The A10, still slow southbound through Chesant from the A1170 down to the M25. The A1 at the Black Cat roundabout is looking particularly slow at the minute. We've got queues approaching the A421 there. And it's also slow as you go through Sandy, approaching the A603. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 8.47, Thursday the 2nd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. New figures suggest one in five baby deaths in Luton is the result of genetic defects arising from marriage between cousins. A jury at Luton Crown Court has been told violent gang rivalry led to the death of Delaney Brown, who was deliberately knocked off his bike last September. In sport, the defending world snooker champion Ronnie O'Sullivan says he won't be returning to the Crucible, even if he wins a fifth title. Right, coming up to 8.48, let's get the weather now. Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. And a very good morning to you. Another beautiful spring day with lots of sunshine around. Uh, sticking with us for the rest of the day today and for much of tomorrow as well. We're going to see highs today of 15 or 16 degrees Celsius. Could see a little bit higher than that perhaps in the larger towns. Um, perhaps 17 degrees Celsius, 63 in Fahrenheit. It's going to be another gorgeous day. But a fair weather cloud through the afternoon but not quite enough to spoil the sunshine. The pollen count is high if you care about such things. Um, and um, it will stay high into tomorrow too. Um, so 
so just light winds today, light winds overnight tonight as well, a fine end to the day and then um, clear and cold overnight with temperatures again dropping to around 3 or 4 degrees Celsius locally, possibly just in the rural spots a touch of ground frost into tomorrow morning. Tomorrow again fine and dry, lots of sunshine around, particularly through the morning but into the afternoon we'll see the southwesterly breeze pick up and we'll start to introduce a little bit more cloud, that's a weather front coming through. So for the bank holiday I have to say that most of it bucks the bank holiday trend here, it's looking fine and dry with some good spells of sunshine apart from Saturday. It's quite possible that we will see a bit of a damp start to the day with a few outbreaks of rain and a bit of cloud but don't worry because it looks like it will cheer up into the afternoon and that's the forecast. Thank you very much indeed. You can listen to BBC Three Counties Radio in so many different ways. On FM. 95.5, 103.8 and 104.5. On AM. 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. And on digital radio. Retune your digital radio now and look out for BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 oh, four, double, five, five, double, five. Here every weekday between 6 and 9 JVS is back this morning at 9 o'clock Mortgages Loads and loads of people have got uh, a problem coming up Because they've got interest-only mortgages News that more than a million people with this type of mortgage Face a financial crunch when payback time comes Well, I've been asking you to call in this morning If you have got an interest-only mortgage so basically, you pay the interest off every month. At the end of 20, 25 years, you've still got the 150 grand, 200 grand, whatever it was your house cost to pay. Barry's in Houghton Regis. Morning, Barry. Good morning, um, Lee, Lee, is it? It's Ian. But it's Ian? Sorry, I'll answer Ian, to anything. Yeah. Call me Doris yeah. if you want. Now, no, no, I'll call you Ian. Thank you, sir. Right. You've got an interest-only mortgage, have you? Well, I haven't, no, but I had one. Why did you take one, Barry? I took one out because it was the thing to do at the time. Because if you, you were sold a package of an insurance policy and a mortgage... And people all around you, relatives, were having these same mortgages. And at the, at maturity, they were finishing. The mortgage was paid off. They had a nice little extra bonus, which you could do things with, buy a car, get the house refurbished, all sorts of things. And it was the thing to do. But then suddenly, um, in my case, three years before maturity, the insurance company informed they were, me that we were short shortfall, a small shortfall, which was nothing, about um, two weeks' salary or something. Yeah. The third, uh, second year from maturity, that had gone up to something like three months' salary to pay it off, and by the time it was due for maturity, there was something like several thousand pounds. Wow. Consequences were, I had to talk to my employers when I was due to retirement at 65, and they were very good and, and gave me another three years' work which I was able to take out another mortgage with the company to pay it off. End of story, all dusted. But it was the thing to do at the time when mortgage, when you were taking out mortgages. My mum and dad didn't have uh, an interest only, but they had the endowment policy. And the, 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 it was the thing, wasn't it? it was, well, hey, listen, you could, you could afford to go on holiday for the rest of your life That's with this right. money. Buy a yacht. That's right. uh, and they had an incredible shortfall. Who do you blame, Barry? Um... Well, it was, it was the markets again, but the insurance com- well, probably the insurance companies, two things. First of all, when they were being sold, the brokers were able to get their money commission up front. And um, then in later in life, the markets just collapsed. And um, 
we weren't giving give good advice. Barrett, thank you very much. I'm going to move on to Sheridan in Bedford. Morning, Sheridan. Good morning, Ian. Now, have you got an interest-only mortgage? Yes, I do have. Um, I got my marriage split up in 2005, and I had to sell my house. So I had three children, um, moved to a house close to where I worked and where my kids could still stay at the same school and I could manage to be single mum. Yeah. And it was in poor decorative repair. So the only way to afford anything was to actually go interest interest only. And I sort of thought, well, last resort, I'll have my, my teacher's pension pot to help me. Oh, <laughs> gosh, well. Happened. Yeah. Well, of course, we know, what ha- we know what's happened to that. Um, and then I sort of thought, well, it's going to be two years only. Um, and I had, a, I had a loan that I was paying off as well. So divorce is an expensive thing. So I thought, well, okay, I'll give it two years. And actually, we're talking seven years later. Um, still on interest only because his kid's going through to uni. And the difference is you're looking at about 485 a month yeah. um, with interest only to close on to 800 if it was capital and wow. interest. Wow, okay. So, so but, but, have, but you uh, know you're going to be in trouble in, what, the, well, 20, 18 well, I, years' I time? Do, I do, and I've actually taken steps. I just decided, well, this is it. I'm going to cut my losses. Luckily... Um, I haven't made as much money as I've put into the house. Right. But actually, I've sold up, and I'm next in June. I'm moving to a house in an, in an area that isn't as nice. Um, and a lot of people turn around and go, oh, why do you want to move there? You know, what are you doing that for? And I sort of think, well, actually, I'm being sensible mm. because I'm reducing my mortgage now by £40,000. Wow. Um, and I'll be able to afford the capital and interest, and the house doesn't need an enormous amount of work. So, so you're being being very sensible. Did, did, did you were you aware of of the potential risks when you took out the interest only mortgage? Um, to an extent, you sort of think, oh, it's going to get better. <laughs> you know, yeah. human beings, we put ourselves in the situation. Oh yeah, I'll just think about that now because I'm fairly young. But uh, you know, you know, seven years ago, and now I'm in my forties, and I'm sort of actually thinking, you know, I'm going to be sensible here and try and plan for my sixties. Um, you know, oh, so that, I think to an extent we are, you know, I was, I was warned. People say, oh, you should have an ISO, you should have this. And all I could think of my head, it's going to be short term. Yep. And actually, I'll make a profit when I sell the house. And I think a lot of people thought, yeah, it's a great way to do something up, fix it up and make some money. Well, uh, Sheridan, I appreciate your call. We can put all of this now to our next guest, Rory Joseph, financial expert from Hertfordshire-based JLM Mortgage Services. Rory, I'm not sure how much you heard um, uh, uh, of Sheridan then, our last caller, but she saw it as a short-term project and a way of making some money. No, absolutely. I heard, I heard the tail end, actually, of her conversation. I thought that she was, a, she was actually a really good caller um, and is very, very typical of, um, I'd say, most of the people who find themselves in, in this situation. I think um, interest-only mortgages, and certainly, obviously, as you can imagine, I talk to lots of clients who have interest-only mortgages. Nearly all of them thought of them as short-term fixes, um, particularly those who don't have a repayment strategy in place, thought, well, I'll do this for a year or two, things are a bit tight, and then when things get better, I'll switch to repayment, or I'll start up an ice or whatever it may be. And I'd say those are the people now who are kind of a bit trapped in, where they're, in their current situations. Are these mortgages still being offered? They are, but lenders are extremely strict now. So as a rule of thumb, you'd need to have at least 25% deposit, but quite often 40% deposit. Wow. Um, they would check that the uh, whatever strategy you had in place actually existed um, yes. and had been in place for a little while. And not already. just hoping that things will get better in two or three years' time. No, exa- exactly right. I mean... I have to say, I have, I have, I, I had a quick look at the report actually, and um, I've got a bit of sympathy for those people who took interest-only mortgages. I think many of them um, 
took them actually as a kind of fairly well planned out strategy. Not not everyone by all means, uh, but I think many of them took them as a well planned out strategy with a view of, you know, I, I can afford an interest only mortgage. It will give me and my family a nice place to live for the next X number of years. Um, and in 20 years time, yes, I may have to move down market and may have to sell the house and buy something smaller, but it's still cheaper than renting. And assuming that prices go up over, mm. say, a 20-year period, actually, I've saved money on renting and I've probably made a little bit of money on house prices. Rory, we've got about 45 seconds. If people are worried, yeah. and, and, and more and more people are starting to realise that actually, five, six, seven years' time, there could be a problem, what advice would you give to them? There's a really quick fix. So the first fix is phone your current lender and say, I'd like to change to repayment. How much will that be? If you can't afford to change the whole thing to repayment, then normally you can give them a monthly payment you can afford and they'll change part of your loan to repayment. And that has the great benefit of being free. Um, option number two is to extend the length of your mortgage. So say you've got 10 years left, um, it, depending on your age, extend it to 15 or 20 years. You can afford repayments because it's better to pay something off rather than nothing. Rory Joseph, thank you very much indeed. Rory Joseph, financial expert from Hertfordshire-based JLM Mortgage Services. Well, there we go. It, 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 it always struck me as odd. I'm starting to understand a little more, actually, by, by speaking to those last two callers, why people perhaps would consider um, going for the interest-only mortgage. But I remember when it was presented to me in the bank, and I was scratching my head saying, I, I don't really see the benefit of oh, it. will save you money. They actually said, oh, it'll save you money. Well, yeah, in the short term it will, but what happens in 25 years? Oh, then you have to pay for the house. Uh huh. It made literally no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and it, it turns out it made no sense to a lot of other people as well. Right. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Mr. Adam Glynn. And Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Things looking pretty decent on most routes at the minute. M25 delays, of course, still very much present almost ever present. Clockwise is looking slow from Junction 22 at London Coney to 24 at Potter's Bar. Anti-clockwise slow from Chorleywood to the M40. Now, we've got a bit of a queue on the A5 in Dunstable. It's busy but it is at least moving near to the A505. And in Houghton Regis, the High Street's starting to look slow near to Bedford Road as well. A1 at Roxton, the Black Cat Roundabout, is queuing and we've also got a bit of slow traffic as you go past Sandy and the Sandy Roundabout. If you're using the M40 toward London, Junction 5 at Stoke and Church to 4 at High Wycombe is definitely slow at present. And the M1 looking a little bit busy now on the northbound side as you go past Luton Airport at Junction 10. Looking at the train departure boards and right now across the three counties, no major problems or delays. It's been a pretty decent morning for the rails. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties. Thank you very much, Adam. Do go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Have a little chitty chat with the people. Be rude about the show, be rude about them. Don't be rude about me. Personally, I'll delete them. Katie, thanks very much indeed. Right, back tomorrow at 6. JVS is up next. Here we go. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday, and on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, should people charged with sex crimes be given anonymity? The independent newspaper has carried out a...